fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. We're creepy and we're kooky. I don't, I'm not even going to start that because if we start singing, it's never going to end. Um, it is the 30-something movie podcast. It is the Adams Family, and we are, we're, we're ready to get a little kooky with you here. Um, before we get started with that, though, this is a very special episode. It's like one of those 90s after-school specials, a very, a very special episode of the 30-something movie podcast. Um, this time around, we've actually got one of our Patreon co-executive producers on with us. We have Mr. Rob Perry. Rob, how are you doing? Good, gentlemen. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I've also got with me um, Mr. Patrick Canagallo. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Rob, welcome. So great to uh, meet you, and it's going to be fun to talk movies with you tonight. Nice to meet you, Pat. And then uh, the elusive Dennis Matuch is here tonight, too. Yep. Hey, John. and Welcome, Rob. Again, thank you. Thank you for your support, and looking forward to hearing your opinions. Good to have somebody uh, who probably knows what they're talking about. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, are, are you just boy. saying that? And I've already commented on it. Are you just saying that because you can see the uh, shelf of movie memorabilia behind him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that is most impressive. We've got, I mean, a lot of times with Pat, you can't really talk horror movies. I mean, Pat will be a nice guy and he'll say, oh, yeah, okay. All right, cool. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. But uh, you can't really talk horror movies with Pat. So oh. it's kind of fun to see, you know, all the all the stuff you've got back there. And uh, Pat, I did already comment on the Ash statue. I, I was I very was happy to say, see that. Yeah, the Ash statue. And then uh, it looks like, um, uh, it, is there, is that like a, is that like one of the enterprises back there too? Yes, okay. yes I, I have uh, the original enterprise on the other side and then that's the uh the jj abrams enterprise okay very cool very cool yeah man well it's cool well and i never know with zoom like you know like man i'm, I'm kind of like peeking in the window of your house well you know like i want to i want to be careful with that but the fly poster yeah that was a good one the fly mm-hmm. poster was yeah. The hellraiser yeah there is that the hellraiser guy yeah that's, yeah that's what i thought okay yeah. there you go and yeah I, couldn't zoom in enough to see all the different DVD titles, but yeah. yeah. Oh, that's only half of them. It, it goes on and on. Nice. Oh, nice. Wow. oh man. That's nice. Well played, sir. Well played. That's a uh, little, it's a little bit more impressive than on the other side of the basement over here. I've got all of my, my comic books that I have collected since I was a kid. And I've got just uh, shelves and shelves of star Wars action figures from the ones that I had when I was a little kid, you know, back in the early eighties and the, some of the brand new ones. And so that's a little nerdier than what you got there. Like that, that's a little bit more, you know, what you got there is kind of, I mean, it's still nerdy, but I mean, let's I have to ask, what is the one close to the fly poster? I, I 
<laughs> that's a little ash bobblehead, and then it's a Weapon X next to that. Okay. Oh, Weapon X. What's the, what's nice. the it's at Ash. Okay, well, it is yeah. Ash. Okay, that was yeah. Ash. That's when you guys talking about. Yeah, I can see him. Well, you Robert, just became you, you just became a friend for life to Pat when you said yeah. uh, when you said Weapon X. Yeah. yeah, you're a Wolverine guy. Yep, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, if how, why, if you don't mind me asking, why Wolverine? I'm, I'm a Wolverine. I like I like to think of myself as a Wolverine guy. But how? Uh, why? Why? Why Wolverine for you? Yeah, I'm a I'm a little scrappy dude, just like Logan. You know. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. It, 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 except I can't back it up at, at, at all. I'm just a little scrappy dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Because like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm big Logan fan, but yeah, I, I don't know that I can <laughs> back it up quite like uh, quite like he can. But uh, yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool. Pat, if you need something new to get excited about. Mm. Uh, we will actually be doing, we'll be covering the Logan movie here on the show in about 26 years. <laughs> John, that's awesome. That's right about the time that we're all going to retire. So, yeah. I mean, it could be our, it could be our retirement episode. I'm sorry. Dennis, De- Dennis is retiring in like two years. So. <laughs> I was, I was going to say Dennis will be about five or six years into social security at that point. But I no. mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Are you, no? I won't be. I'll be on. I'll be on nothing, man. Yeah, the, Dennis, uh, by, it's okay. By by twenty forty seven, I'm sure all the nursing homes will have great Wi Fi. Dennis, Dennis, will, he'll be the Soylent Green for us by yeah. that point. But uh, um, I was going to say, you know, the, I, the the Ash, like I said, as we're kind of doing the creepy, like peeking into Rob's uh, uh, awesome collection there, and that DVD collection is like outstanding. Um, Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. That's inspiring, man. That's awesome. Um, You know, it's funny. I happened on one of these lists, you know, like the top 100 cult movies of all time. And I I, and you guys really know, like the different uh, writers and all that. I remember, John, I think I came on the podcast one time. I'm like, hey, so and so wrote this really interesting article about Star Wars. It's kind of like blowing my mind. And it's kind of unconventional. And I I brought it up. And John, you actually had that look on your face. And you're like, oh, yeah, it was written by this guy. Yeah, I don't really take much of what he says with you know, and I'm just like, okay, like I had no, you know, but, um, so I don't know who put this list together, but it's always interesting seeing, you know, and it was top 100. And what was nice is, you know, it kind of comes up and it's not one of those that you have to click the next button and wait 10 seconds for it to load. It was one article that you could just scroll down. So I'm like, okay, I'm hooked right away. Um, but it went down and it was a really interesting mix of movies and, um, uh, evil dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness all made the list in in different places. And there was everything from um, uh, The Room was on there. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show was on there. UHF was on there. I mean, it was like a really cool mix. Um, number one was The Big Lebowski. So I'm like, OK, I, you know. But, uh, yeah, I was just thinking back because, uh, yeah, I don't do horror movies. And, like, that was one of the great things about this podcast is we watched Evil Dead Part 2 and I was kind of like, I, I don't know how to feel. I mean, I'm not like weirded out, but I'm kind of laughing. Should I be laughing? And they're like, oh, no, you should be yes, laughing. And then they're like, you got to check out Army of Darkness. And now like that's like, man, why am I not watching this movie at least once a month? Like this is outstanding stuff. And they got me hooked into Ash vs. Evil Dead and <laughs> all, all that fun Gone too stuff. soon. Gone too soon. Oh, no, yeah. don't even get me started on Ash vs. Evil Dead and how it's not still here. I know. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I, I don't know that we've gone this far yet when we've talked about some of our future plans, but our Patreon exclusive episode for October, for obviously for Halloween month, uh, is actually gonna be the first Evil Dead. So have you, Pat, have you seen the first Evil Dead yet? Did you go back and watch it? I haven't yet. So this is, this is exciting. Well, you got till October. Okay. So, you know, steal yourself, get ready. Um, My soul is prepared. There you go. Um, well, we will swallow your soul, but that's okay. Um, so that one, that was actually the one that got me started um, after, that was the only one that I'd watched up to that point was Army of Darkness. And I watched that one as a kid, probably way too young. Uh, it was at a sleepover party at a friend's house in England and um, watched that one as a kid and then didn't really see any of the other ones. Because um, you know what? I'm not sure that I knew... As a kid, I don't think I realized since there was no number on the movie that Army of Darkness was like a third sequel or like a, a second sequel is a third part of the of the oh. movies. And so it took me a while to really figure out that Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 were the same thing. And so then I think it was maybe high school and I was like, oh man, I, I got to watch Evil Dead. And I never did. And then I got to college and they were doing one of those like rewind film festivals at the local theater. And so in the course of two weeks I went to the theater and I think I ended up seeing uh, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Evil Dead. Um, what were some of the other ones? Really great movies that they were showing in this film festival. And I saw the first Evil Dead and I'm like, oh man, like what am I missing here? Why have I not watched this before? And so then I immediately, I think the next day, went to the little uh, VHS like rental place that we had on the, on the U of I campus. And I was like, I got to find Evil Dead too. Like I got to watch this. And I was like, when I watched it, I was like, it's Evil Dead 1, but with more money. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So, no, I absolutely love those movies. Yeah. yeah we saw them. And I, we, I was, again, I was 11. So my parents were, my dad was a big horror film guy. So VHS. Yep. Didn't see the theater, but saw Evil Dead. And then it was like, I think I was 11. And then I was probably, what, about 60? It was 93, I think. Or no, 87. Wasn't it? 87 was 80. Uh, the original Evil Dead's 81. 87, 93. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So every six years, it was like, oh, my God. It was it was kind of exciting for us because I had four brothers, and we all loved the first one. And then when the – I mean, we liked, this, we liked the first one, I would say. We liked the first one. We loved the second one. And then Army of Darkness was like, whoa. It was like mm-hmm. – we were just super excited when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get too much further down the horror movie rabbit hole, um, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get to know Rob a little bit. So, Rob, I got some questions for you. Um, it's not three questions, so you know, don't worry about that. We're not going to go into the whole. You know, he asks each traveler, um, but uh, why don't you just start us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, again, my name is Rob. I'm from uh, Maryland. I grew. I've grew up here. Lived here. I work here. Uh, started out um, my career in uh, journalism. Uh, spent uh, almost 20 years in journalism before uh, the company that I used to work for was bought by another company. And then they just started doing this. And it was, it was newspaper journalism. So uh, now I work for, uh, uh, I'm a contractor with uh, the Navy. I write for uh, Naval Aviation News Magazine. So I write about jets and cool stuff uh, for the Navy. A lot of fun. Um, but absolutely movies has been um, one of the biggest uh, things in my life. You know, it was, it was a bonding thing with my dad. My dad, it was more science fiction, Westerns and stuff like that. And then my mom, it was definitely horror movies. And I kind of figured out comedy and, and, and dramas and everything else along the way on my own. 
but um uh, yeah, my all-time favorite horror movie is the original Night of the Living Dead, 1968, um, and um, I, I still hold that as as one of the not only one of the best horror films, but one of the best um, films. You know, it, it, I mean, it's it, to me, it's a drama that just happens to have horror elements in it because it there was you know George Romero went to his grave saying, oh well, yeah, we we didn't really think too much about pla- casting a black guy as the lead, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, 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 you did. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that, that's another thing that uh, about horror movies is that I, I think they get a bad rap because uh, you know there are trash movies that I like. You know, all the Friday Thirteenth movies, there's there's nothing deep there. But I, I I love them anyways. But a lot of um, a lot of horror films have a lot of deeper societal um, um, messages and impacts that you know, a lot of horror movies just kind of get overlooked as as that. But um, that's something I've, I've going, grown to appreciate as I've gotten older, but, you know, I'd, I'll still sit down and watch Die Hard or Raiders of the Lost Ark or, you know, Pulp Fiction a million times over. So, um, like I was telling John earlier before the, uh, podcast started, I kind of stumbled on you guys from another movie podcast and, um, you know, listen to just about every episode. Um, I have listened to every episode except for, except for one. For some reason, I can't get Stand By Me to download either from your website or on uh, the, the podcast app that I use. So I've listened to every single one. But um, it, it is really nice to hear you guys just sit and discuss openly and honestly about uh, movies that uh, you grew up with. Um, haven't gone back and revisited. And probably uh, one of the questions you had is what is um, one of the movies you guys have discussed that uh, one of the episodes that I really like, and it was when you guys most recently discussed Jacob's ladder, because I think that that was a movie that a lot of people overlooked. And I remember seeing that in the theater. I was in middle school. It was way too heavy for somebody <laughs> in, wow. in middle school to sit and really understand and grab it. But that's one that I've gone back and revisited many times and just find something different I'm so to listen to you guys who hadn't seen it ever, you know, at, at all. Um, that was that was really cool to, to listen to, you know, something that I was like, man, nobody talks about that movie. And these guys are, you know, discovering for, you know, that's that's another thing I love about this podcast is you guys talk about things that, you know, you know, was around when you when you were at, a, you know, 30 years ago and you're, you know, you're discovering it, some things for the first time and then going back and looking at things and like really, you know, talking about what you loved about it and what you loved about movies and how, you know, like you, know, you start out. How, how did this movie make you feel? And, uh, so I'm glad to be here. Um, and and I kind of kind of dove in uh, to become a Patreon supporter once once you guys um, started putting out the uh, the extra episodes and when you guys did you know a three hour long Empire Strikes Back you know retrospect I, I was like all right fine yeah, that's a, that's a few shekels I, I I could listen to people talk about Empire Strikes Back for twenty hours so. Well, and that, wow. that's when we realized after we finished the, because I think it was about three and a half, almost four, before I did any kind of editing at all. And I think as soon as we, I want to say that same night, as soon as we hit the stop button on the recording, I think at least a couple of us were like, guys, we didn't talk about this. <laughs> like, nope, no more. If we could do a follow up later, we'll do something else. But no, nope, we're done for tonight. But yeah. no, I, I, and I got to say that. Um, Jacob's Ladder one of any, and I've been thinking more and more about that, you know, our, our episode on it, but even just wow. watching it and uh, Pat, you probably feel this way too of all the 
souls in all my travels. No, of all the movies that we've done on this podcast, I don't know that there's been a movie that has blown my mind more than Jacob's Ladder. One that I, you know, because when I look back on these and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's 30 years old. I haven't seen this one. I'll probably enjoy it. It's usually kind of how I feel about ones I haven't seen before. Like, I'll give it a try. I mean, it sounds interesting. And but that one, like I watched it and I was like, wow. Like, not only was that a great movie, like, wow. Yeah. It haunts you. It it really does haunt you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was, I was really taken with that movie. Like I, I just, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That was, that was a, that was a wonderful, wonderful movie. I, you know what? And if you don't mind me asking, I'm, I'm going to go on a complete tangent because I know that you mentioned that your father uh, liked watching sci-fi. And, and I think we talked a little bit before we started recording. I think we're close at, you know, we're close in age and everything. And one of the ones that we came up with a couple of years ago was a sci-fi one that was a made for TV one called um, uh, Earth Star Voyager. Mm-hmm. And and I was I was wondering, had you seen that one before? And do you remember watching it when it came out, like the the Sunday special type thing? I was wondering if that was one that you remember seeing as a kid. Nope, nope. Okay, nope. Okay. Uh, there, there were there were a few made for TV things that that I, I remember. But when you guys started talking about, it, I was like, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> okay. I, well, and I'm I'm curious because it was one of those that we were all talking about, and it was like, I remember this. Thing, and they're like, yeah, I sort of. And I mean, I went on I went on the Google and I couldn't even remember the name. And it was like I would just type in Google like TV movie with and I would just like put like a paragraph into the search ribbon thing of describing every little bit of the movie that I could remember. You know, it was like when, you know, you see those movies where they, they describe someone, then they do a composite sketch, you know, the police do this composite sketch or whatever. I think I was doing that to Google and it, and it popped up. So I, I don't know. I'm just always curious asking, you know, if people remember those, those weird oddball kind of rarities that, you know, stick out in the, in the childhood. So. Anyways. Oh, but if, if 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 you guys did a, did a, like an episode about this little show called V, that would have been different. I would have been all over that. I mean, I I love V. I I still do. I, I'll, I'll still go back and watch at least the mini series at least once cool. a year. Side cool. Twilight Zone fan too. Absolutely love yeah. the Rod Serling and the and the eighties nice. version. I haven't I haven't bothered with the uh, the newer one with uh, uh, Jordan Peele. There's a few decent ones in there, but yeah, definitely nothing holds it. You know, it just it's. The original Rod Sterling's are just classic. I still can't. If it's on, I'll just start watching and sit down. It's a, 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 I love Rod Sterling. Yes. Um, really quick on the Night of the Living Dead, just a quick question of that one with the original, because that's, again, one of my favorite ones, too. Do you still find yourself having, you said you watch that probably a lot, you like it, it's one of your favorites. Is there, is you still get frustrated at the ending? <laughs> the anger, the, the, yes, the, the ending is I one of those. that is the TV. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just like, after all of that, and of, exactly. and it's just so and yes. it's just so casual. It, but it's it's how they are at the end. They're so just so casual. There's another one for the fire. Oh, and then the, the the credits are just rolling, and you're just like, wait a second. I've been with this dude for how long, and he has done everything right, and he survives everything. And then spoiler, and then at the end, yeah, that happens, and you're yeah. just like angry. I'm just like. Even now, I know it's going to happen. When I get to that part, I feel like somehow there should be an alternate ending button. But I know there isn't. You know, yeah. So, so to your <laughs> earlier why. point, to your earlier point, Rob. You, wait, you claim that you know that casting was just by accident? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Well, and then the 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 great part about that is the setup for when it's the dawn of the dawn is the one where they're in the um, the uh, the mall. 
Yes. And then the guy gets up to the top and the same sort of situation where you go, no, no, not again. No, not again. <laughs> what do you don't give up? You know, but that's no. And then all of a sudden he like puts down the gun and just goes up and runs up into the helicopter. It's like, ah, there's some sort of vindication. If you watch that one of like, yes. Yeah. Cause I was like, don't do this again. to me. don't do that again. <laughs> Yeah, but, but uh, also to, also to that point, as, as much as I love the, the serious and the, the downer ending of Night of the Living Dead, probably one of my close second favorite horror films of all time is the original Return of the Living Dead. I absolutely adore the original one. It, the second one is absolute That's garbage. One, correct. That's the funny one. The correct, like where it was. Yeah. The, yeah. The, fir- the first yeah. one with, with the pumps, the, the funeral home yes. and, and, yeah, the, and the medical supply. Yeah. yeah. Love that one. The second one is, is just garbage. <laughs> it, it just completely lost everything that made the, the first one. But, and then the third one is just completely out there. Yeah. I don't even think and I remember the third one. The, the second third? one, you know, we were disappointed with the first one was, was absolutely good. It was classic. Isn't yeah. the third one the one where the girlfriend dies in the motorcycle accident and they reanimate her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that. yeah. But yeah, I, I could talk horror movies for, for hours and hours and hours and never get, we get bored. So, but. yeah. Well, you found a, you found a kindred spirit here on this podcast. Cause Dennis is definitely a, a, a horror movie aficionado as they say so um not as thrilled with a lot of the more current ones though that's the interesting thing i mean i think it's because i grew up and my dad was a very big horror film fan so there's that kind of nostalgia there but it's also we saw them at those times there's just there's something classic about those and then you know and then you kind of hold a lot of the new ones become formula to a certain degree there's still some really good ones nowadays like i'm still like one of my top is it's not necessarily a horror film but i love uh the sixth sense so sixth sense Mm -hmm. is always a it was one of those movies where I'm like, man, I got to watch it right now again, because no, that's not possible. Yeah. And then I watched it again and it was like, oh man, that's good. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm also a big, big fan of the old uh, Hammer films. I, I love Christopher Lee's Dracula, yes. at least, at least the first several, several films. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's, I, I, I knew Peter Cushing from Star Wars, but he became Van Helsing and Dr. Frankenstein, the older I got, you know, from, from those movies. So you go far back and you like the Vincent Price, <laughs> Vincent Price yeah. is probably my, my, my favorite of all time. I, I love it. I mean, all yeah. those, yeah. Last man on earth. Uh, you know, that, that was, that, that was probably my actual introduction to quote unquote zombies was last yeah. man on earth. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Good. All right. And, well, and, oh yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask, uh, uh, Rob. You said that uh, your mom wasn't big into horror movies. Um, d- did she introduce you to a lot of these, or was it kind of like she had some that were her favorite that kind of like uh, got you into that realm, and then you started branching out and checking things out, or how? How did? Well, how, well, it it, it kind of it kind of started. I mean, it actually started with Night of the Living Dead because uh, okay. around Halloween time, uh, you know, there there would be uh, the local TV stations would be advertising their horror movie lineup, and remember one of them was uh, for the colorized version of the original Night of the Living Dead, and I just remember my dad making a crack at my mom saying, "Oh, he, he was like that movie already bothered you. There's no way you're gonna watch it in color," and I just saw this look on my mom's face like oh my god and i i just like kind of asked her that you know another year went by and the original was coming on tv and i could tell my mom was kind of getting a little worked up and a little scared we were getting ready to watch and i was uh still in grade school and i was just like black and white movie can't be that bad kind of thing and we're sitting there watching and about as soon as um 
uh, you know, Ben and Barbara are in the, in the farmhouse and things starting to calm down. And then the, the kids come up from the basement and they're all talking. Then the zombies start coming in. My mom goes, okay, we, we got to shut it off. So it, it was like a taboo. I I need to know what happens next kind of thing. And then I cool. saw it, a, a, you know, a little bit of time later, but, um, I also, my mom told me a story that my, um, my dad scared the heck out of her. And that probably also, um, Made, made zombie movies her big thing and also my big thing too by default they had just got done watching the uh night of the living uh dawn of the dead excuse me and, and uh, they were laying down to go to sleep and everything it was all quiet my mom is just you know still reeling because she had never seen anything like that and everything's quiet and then my dad reached over grabbed her shoulder and went <laughs> and he said my dad told me he had to peel my mom off the ceiling yeah. she jumped so high out of it so uh but so, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of it started with that reaction. Also, my mom had this book that I that I, I, I finally tracked down. Um, it was a history, a pictorial history of horror movies. And it was, you know, I just sat there and flipped through it, looking through the pictures. And it was everything from, you know, the German expressionist era of, of horror films from Nosferatu and the Great Golem. Yeah, all the way to the end of the Hammer films and just about to, uh, you know, the modern era of the early 70s. And I was just flipping through it and I was just fascinated. And then anytime like an old horror movie, like like, like you guys were talking earlier about stop motion movies and, uh, you know, the original King Kong is still just a great, great film. You know, and it, you know despite the special and I love the Peter Jackson remake. I absolutely love it. But th that original one, any time that came on TV, I just could not wait to see King Kong fighting against the dinosaurs. Just absolutely love that. That's cool. really interesting because I think that book that you just mentioned, I think we had or owned that book. And I, I agree flipping through that. I don't know if it had like it had like the Oliver Reed version with, uh, I think, where he's the werewolf. I mean, and mm -hmm. it would be like the color, the color. Um, Peter Cushing and all that, like yeah, no. So I remember. It, I think this is the same book. Was it pretty big? Yeah, I know. On the and front it, of it, it had, it had like the painting of Boris Karloff as Frankenstein. Yes, on yes. It. And on the back was was King was King Kong, King Kong and like yes. Sheena Sheena the. Uh, no, not you Sheena. Just a thousand years BC. Black and white pictures. Then it'd be a section with a bunch of color pictures. And you're like, oh my God, the color pictures look so scary. Yeah, it was like, I remember mm -hmm. that book. I, I wonder where we, if we even have that somewhere if it was my mom's or what happened. But we used to own that book. Yeah, I found, I found it on. We used to go and take it on my dad's shelf, bookshelf, and just thumb through that thing and be like, oh my God, look at these. It, it was just that was scary enough sometimes just reading through that book and seeing the pictures as a kid. Yeah. Cool. Now, we'll say after you told that story about your your dad scaring your mom like that, um, I, I don't know that I've told this one on the podcast before. When we did Invaders from Mars, I told about the one where my mom put the Band-Aid on the back of her neck and burnt the breakfast and everything else. That terrified me. Um, before I was even born, uh, my mom and dad, and I want to say, I want to say they hadn't been married very long. Um, they went to go see The Exorcist in the theater. Yeah. And my mom is not a horror movie fan at all. So she she really loved my dad. Um, so they went to go see The Exorcist in the theater and they got home later that night and we're getting ready for bed. And, you know, she was in the bathroom getting ready for bed, brushing her teeth. And she came back and she laid down in bed and my dad wasn't there. She thought he was, you know, I think he left a light on in the other room or something. So she thought he was just, you know, getting something together before coming to bed. So she crawls in bed. What my dad had done. So, Pat, I don't, have you seen The Exorcist? 
Uh, no, <clears throat> that, okay. that's there is a scene yep. in The Exorcist where the the girl is in the bed and I think she's tied down and the bed starts rocking like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my dad had actually crawled under the bed. Oh, good. And and my good. dad was a big enough guy that he could actually lift the bed with my mom laying in it. And so uh. he lifted up the bed and just started shaking it around while she was in it. I don't know how many nights he slept on the couch, but he said it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. I'm like, God, oh, that is. That's I don't, I don't think I would ever stuff. do that for, you know, just, just for the sake of marital harmony. I don't think I would ever do that myself, but that's just awesome. Well, if you think about, I'll, I'll make up the couch here for you, John, okay. in case, uh, you know, if you, I ever you, try you, it. you had seen, you had seen that, right? That's your sister. No, I have not seen the movie like uh, wow. cover to cover, as they say. I mean, there's, I, I've seen some iconic yeah. scenes that will pop up um, now and again. But uh, one, of more, one of the more disturbing for me, mm-hmm. just because the way, the way we were first introduced, that we would we would be sent to, to go to bed, which was the second floor of our house, and it was yeah. not as, it wasn't carpeted and cozy as like you know it was kind of I forget what type tile floors, but we, we would go up there and we could hear through this big vent. It was a big square vent, the air vent, and below it was the living room, so we can kind of peek and almost see depending where the TV was, like maybe get a glimpse of it, but you could hear everything clearly. I remember mm-hmm. like Ernie Kovacs show and everything else, and we would like you know not go to bed we'd listen to everything so it became a radio show for us and one day we were listening to that thinking it's gonna be the honeymooners or it's gonna be something funny and all of a sudden it's the exorcist <laughs> we're just like maybe we ought to go to bed because <laughs> <laughs> you're hearing her start talking and like demon and it's just like whoa and i remember we were like oh god what was that movie what were we watching yesterday and we just we just we just jumped in our beds and pulled up the covers for that one and then eventually we saw it and it was like whoa yeah right. What, what a what a wonderful day for an exorcism. Um, my wife actually just texted me because she can hear me from upstairs. Uh, she said, there are supports under the bed. I think you'd have a tight fit. Thank you for not trying that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, we talk a lot about how, you know, movies that we love and we use phrases, we use quotes from the movies in our everyday life. I am maybe slightly ashamed to say that there is one from The Exorcist that I use fairly regularly and even with my own kids and they have no clue what it's from and I will not tell them what it's from. They'll ask me to do something like, dad, can you buy me that? Or can I have, you know, 20 bucks at it? Or can I do this? And I, no, that would be a vulgar display of power. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> nice. Not going to do it. Yeah. All right, Rob. Uh, second question we've got for you is what is your favorite eighties or nineties movie? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this. Um, I would, I mean, Throw, throw me on an island with with just a uh, uh, a single movie, and I'd, I'd have to say from the eighties, I've got to say Star Trek two. Nice. I've, uh, I've I've you know that I saw that in the theaters with my dad, and wow. I re- I just remember having just such a strong because I, I was familiar with the TV show, and I was you know I really loved uh, Kirk and Spock and and Bones, and I remember coming out of that and just being crestfallen at the thought of Spock dying. I remember my dad, you know, it was just a short drive from our house from the, from the, from the movie theater to our house. And, and my dad, I'm just like, Spock really dead. <laughs> and my dad's like, like, well, yes, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> and, you know, this is, this is, you know, he, he had seen the interviews of Leonard Nimoy saying, you know, he was done with being Spock and all of that. So, you know, it, it, I was so excited when we finally saw the, you know, the trailer for the search for Spock mm-hmm. and, um, you know, dad told me to drive in to see that. And I was so happy, you know, Spock's back, Spock's back. But, um, you know, as, 
a very, very close second. I would have to say Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that's a movie I saw in the theater with my grandmother of of all people um, because she loved Harrison Ford. She thought Harrison Harrison Ford was just just the sweetest man in the world and could do no wrong. And I don't think she was expecting the same movie that she, you know, was advertised on TV when we went to saw, saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and you get to that last 20 minutes of the movie. But, uh, but so, yeah, I, I think I have, you know, connections with those movies more because I saw them in the theater first, first run and I, and I saw them with, uh, you know, family members. And as for the nineties, it, that's so much, so much harder because if, you know, you're a, you're a horror movie fan, um, the nineties, there was not much, not much going on. There there was, there were some bright spots. So I kind of, you know, know, other than scream, I think scream was, was the, the movie that set everything back on track in the nineties, but hands down, I'd have to go with Pulp Fiction just because of the, of the, the impact it had on just the movie industry. And it kind of opened everybody, you know, whether, especially if you were at that age when Pulp Fiction, it really hit, was to, was to pay attention to a lot smaller movies, um, you know, and what you could do with with a good script and good writing and and a, and a story told well. I saw mm. that movie at a friend's house in high school, and I absolutely fell in love with that movie. And I, I must have looked for I don't even know how long I must have looked for that movie on VHS forever and could not find a copy of it. And I think eventually I maybe found a copy at um, maybe it was at Sam Goody in the mall or something like that. And the VHS, it was like $30 for the VHS tape. And I was like, oh, well, I'm high school kid. And I'm not really, and I got a girlfriend, so I don't really have 30 bucks to spend on the VHS tape, but I love this movie. So I'm going to do it. And I remember buying the VHS tape for 30 bucks. And then like three days later, finding it for 12 bucks somewhere else and just being really <laughs> upset. But no, I, I absolutely loved, loved that movie when it came out and just was completely taken by it. And breaking up with your girlfriend. <laughs> no, we're married now, so we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. told her, hey, I went VHS tape over, or uh, Pulp Fiction over. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah. She knew early on what she was getting into, so. It's going to yeah. be McDonald's for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Pulp Fiction just, yeah, yeah. I remember just seeing that and being like, I didn't know that you could do things like this. This is, you know, and then you mentioned Raiders and, and Star Trek too. And, and obviously we're pretty big Indiana Jones fans and Star Trek fans on the podcast. And yeah, I, I, I mean, seeing Star Trek too. And that, it's funny. Cause like, like yourself, I mean, I grew up watching the show, um, the reruns of the original show. And then, but as far as like, the first time Star Trek imprinted on me, it was really those movies, you know, mm-hmm. two and three. And yeah, I, I, man, I think there's a case to be made that Star Trek two is maybe the greatest Star Trek thing ever created. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, the, the impact of that and just the, the way they can make it a big space adventure. John, you describe it kind of like a submarine combat movie. Um, bring back a villain that's like, uh, well, Dennis, you, you know, you bring up the point, like, you know, a great movie usually requires a great villain, not just some kind of vanilla, you know, someone that you yeah. don't know. But I mean, you've got one of arguably one of the greatest villains of all time. And somehow you make this, you know, intergalactic submarine movie with a great villain, but it's still... And not as a not as a roast on the sh- on it, but it's like 
it's like one of the shows. It's got all the best parts of what made that show. You know, the argument between McCoy and the emotional and sometimes irrational and Spock, the logical, possibly dis not disconnected, but maybe, you know, you're half human. Don't you have any feelings about that? I know that was a different Star Trek movie, but I mean, you know, so you have those those arguments in there. And meanwhile, like another level of it where Kirk is the swaggering hero, but he's getting old and someone's getting the best of him. And how do we age? And, you know, and all accessible for a young person like I, I, you know, I remember understanding as much as you could when you were younger, understanding that, oh, there's some themes here. There's some stuff. And then having that every time you watch it through the years, you can kind of unpack more of it. And, Oh, I'm older now, not quite captain Kirk's age, but I'm older now. I guess I know what he was talking about, you know? So yeah, man, those are going back to see the original episode with Ricardo in it. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I, yeah, two and three, I think are like capture the spirit of what the TV show was. In my opinion, my brother was a big Chucky fan. Um, huge. And, uh, and for us, like we definitely, I think it peaked with those, but the two and three one, the three kind of kept it. The, the old episodes often would have a, you know, the trouble of trouble tribbles and they were the kind of lighter shows and a little funny. So three kind of captured that. I think, or actually not three, sorry. The, uh, the one where they go to, um, the one where they go to the, uh, the back to America. Yeah. The whales, the number four, that one where they there came back whales the here captures the light one and two and three kind of captures that serious tone of the show where it could be a very serious, you are fully engaged and you know, and again, classic Ricardo Montalban in that one as well. Yeah. So that makes it, by the way, just really quick. This is it, right? This is that's, that's it. Okay. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as that popped up, that like, that's it. Uh, is it Raquel Welch? I think down there. I think as Raquel right. Welch from yep. a thousand years BC. Yep. This is a big book, man, uh, John <laughs> and and Pat. It's like a pretty, you know, it's, it's a big book, and it just at least it seemed like a big book because we were little kids, maybe. But uh, yeah, thumbing through that thing was like an adventure. You'd sneak and steal out of your dad's or out of our dad's thing, and just be like, wow. It's it's a good read too. It's a, it's a pretty brisk read, but it's yeah. it's good. I mean, if if you're a horror movie fan, I think that's that's pretty essential. And especially. the interesting thing is the data on that thing is 1973, mm-hmm. 1973. So all the movies up until that point. So it really gives you a good historical perspective of how they evolved. And yep, I remember the Nosferatu and all the excellent book. I'm gonna see if that's out. You you still have a copy of that or somewhere or no? Yes, I do. I, f- I found it on eBay years later, and yeah. uh, I paid only about fifty bucks for it. I mean, yeah, it's on Amazon too. I look now as well, and it was looks like it is on Amazon and some different places too. I think. Yeah, yeah, I was just looking on Amazon real quick. It looks like there is a you can get a used hardcover version. I don't know what kind of condition it's in for like fourteen bucks. Yeah. Might not be in might not be in great condition. Uh, so so you can get like a paperback for thirty or. So yeah, there's a few different, uh, our version was a hardcover. I remember that it was a big, just heavy book. It, was it looks mm-hmm. like there's an updated one too. pictorial history of horror movies, um, from 1983. Mm-hmm. Looks yeah, like that I one might be, be going yeah. to Amazon after. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> See now this, this would totally get me into a, into a rabbit hole. Cause now I'm looking at the related items inspired by your orders and I'm seeing like oh. the art of pulp horror, the art of horror movies, the art of I'm like, Oh, and then you go you go down a little bit more and it's like buy all three of these together for mm-hmm. this price. And it's not like it's a reduced price, it's right. just customers who bought this frequently bought this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> customers who bought this frequently use their entire paycheck. Must not hit 
by now must not hit. Oh, I did it. Oh, it's mm-hmm. all done. <laughs> and I'm spent. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Um, all right, Rob, uh, last question for you here before we jump into Adam's family. Uh, what is your favorite movie we've covered so far? And you can say Blue Velvet and totally blow Pat out of the water here. I'm so sorry. I really am. I'm just going to say I'm sorry for yucking your yum. I really, truly am. I no. I- I don't want, I don't want to get get in a you know give some some false sense that you know blue velvet's up there with like one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. No. It's just it, it was one of those uh you know when I saw it cuz I saw the elephant man before I saw blue velvet so I already knew that David Lynch was kind of a weird dude and then I saw Dune in between those two and I love Dune. Mm-hmm. And Dune's a weird flipping movie too. But Blue Velvet's weird in a whole different different way. And, and it, it it was one of those that I, I couldn't wrap my head around for a long time. And then I started doing reading and I saw interviews with David Lynch. I was like, okay, I get it. So it, he's it, that movie is weird for the sake of being weird and dreamlike. And you either accept it or you don't. So either people have a visceral reaction, Pat, or, 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 or there's some people people who have a reaction like, yeah, I could give or take. And then there's some people that are obsessed with it. And I'm like, okay, those people you've got to watch for. Uh, but but you can't um, watch Eraserhead. <laughs> Speaking of the Lynch films. <laughs> You know, in Eraserhead, when you boil it down, when you tell somebody after they get done watching it and they're they're just trying to figure out what the heck just happened, you just say, it's about being a new dad. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> and they're like, you got all that from that? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's but, uh, the favorite one, um, I, I, I said most recently, you guys, when you guys touched on Jacob's Ladder and just, just um, yeah, because that was, that was one of those that I've always kind of had back there as I really love that movie, but it's one that I don't revisit often. And when I do revisit it, I, I'm like, oh, man, that's such a great movie and it holds up. But it, uh, I think you guys, you know, it, it just, you guys talked about how much it really, you know, for something you had never seen, had an experience, and just when a movie like that washes over you and then sticks with you, it's stuck with me for you know thirty years now. And I, I saw that, you know, again, I saw that when I was way too young, <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't, I didn't fully understand it or appreciate it then. I, I just remembered it, and I've gone back and rewatched it. And then to, to listen to you guys cover it and talk about it, and you know, that's that's again a, a great example of you know a, a good good reads and listen to your podcast because you go back and listen to, and, and hearing you guys discover things um that i that have you know i i've been familiar with uh i'm still still want to talk to a few of you uh behind a brick wall about your opinions of dark man but uh uh that's that's another another time another place but. dark dark man was the was dark man the one where qui-gon jinn lost his face yeah. Okay. You, you mean Liam Neeson? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you remember what, I don't remember what your opinion was on that one, Pat. I, you know what? I think, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I had like a visceral strong, like er, reaction. I think I just, I think I felt torn because it was like, is it supposed to, are they going for the silly and goofy or are they going for this? Like I, 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 that was what I, I just kind of remember that there were some cool parts to it, but then there would be some, they were almost going for like some, some silly kind of stuff that, Sam that Rainey. I, that's Sam yeah. Rainey, the guy who did evil. It's the same thing. He's the guy who does all that. He's got that weird. Yeah. Thing. 
That, that was his trial trial run is basically for for spider-man that was that was him saying i want to i want to do a comic book movie and i want to try a few things out yeah and that's essentially what it is i mean it's it's a paper thin storyline but it really was for him to try some some things with special effects with some camera mm-hmm. techniques i mean yeah and yeah. working with a bigger budget yeah yeah and that's where and i'll tell you and that's where and even like speaking to folks like yourself and I don't know how many movies that, and I think honestly, evil dead two is one of them that I'm like, I don't think I like this movie, but now talking about it and realizing what was happening. Yeah. You're supposed to be laughing at that part. Then suddenly kind of through the discussion, that's been one of the best parts of doing this podcast is through the discussion. Like, no, I'm liking this movie now or, you know, so that's, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, so I'm just going to throw in here and and the guys are going to like duct tape my mouth shut so I don't like take the next 10 hours to ask you about this topic. But I know that you are a journalist and especially with naval aviation. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm just going to say that's possibly one of the coolest things known to mankind. Uh, And so I'm just curious and I'll, I'll ask this like, you know, like like a 12 year old fanboy. But so do you have a favorite plane? Uh, that you like, you know, uh, writing about or that you've seen or that maybe you've even gotten a ride in or anything that anything that that you would uh, say about? Um, no, I, I really don't. I mean, I've I've seen uh, only a handful of planes up, up close. Um, I've never been inside any of the jets. Um, okay. That's that. It's not something that they're kind of too keen on. Too, too keen on. Um, I, I'm sure it, it could be arranged, but I, I don't have the uh, the brass to to want to even think about doing that. But um, it's it's really cool to see them up close. The the one thing that I'm most impressed with right now is the the newer the F-35s. When you hear one of them. Mm-hmm. it's it, it'll it'll shake you it'll shake bones that you didn't know you had <laughs> wow and, and they're and they're the stealth fight mm-hmm. you know they're, they're stealth but um those things are incredibly loud and it it just sounds like uh you know it's it's kind of it's very cliche but it sounds like freedom and death and destruction is coming yeah. <laughs> when you hear one of those things yeah uh but wow. I, i've only i've only been doing it for a little over a year okay. um and and, be, and because of the nature of things the way the world is a lot of my interviews and stuff has been over the phone and um you know so, so I've, I've gotten to talk to some really cool people i got to talk to a group of uh, astronauts who um, they're they're now astronauts and they will be going on the on the uh, Artemis mission um, wow. coming up. So I got to talk to them shortly after they graduated because they were they were attended um, the test pilot school here that is in uh, in Maryland. Okay, so that that's probably so far the highlight of my brief career in uh, writing about naval aviation. That's cool. That's cool. So so a lot of your your writing is it more to do with like. Um, the pilots and like the, I hate to say the human side of it, as opposed to the technical and the planes, or is it kind of a mix of the whole thing or it's, it's more of the technological side uh, okay. of, of things. Um, it's, it's more, it's a, a, here's the, the ongoing and developing technologies that the Navy is working on right now. Alan, um, every, uh, so, some things, the pilots I have, have been able to talk to some pilots, uh, both, you know, fixed wing you know, jets and, and, uh, rotor wing, you know, helicopters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but for the most part, it is, uh, people working behind the scenes and, and developing the technologies. Exciting. Is, is, is there, is the component of like the drone unmanned and all that kind of, 
as compared to do we need pilots, you know, the person in the plane, you know, flying with the stick or do we just need someone sitting at a control? Is that as prevalent of an argument or a debate or kind of as as we get kind of in the civilian world where, you know, you kind of hear it and some, and you'll see even movies about it, good and bad, where this is like a big discussion point. Is that as prevalent or there, there definitely is becoming a little bit more of a focus on man, but I don't, I don't see the Navy uh, moving or, or the military in any way moving away from uh, man versus unmanned debate. I, mm-hmm. I, I think there's always going to be a, a need for pilots, and in fact, they're, you know, I mean, with the uh, the test pilot school um, and the Naval Academy being right here in Annapolis, I still, I mean, in fact, they're still very actively seeking and recruiting pilots. So, okay. Well, like I said, uh, if these guys don't put me on mute, I'll probably keep peppering you with questions for at least the next five days. So anyways, uh, like I said, this is just such a cool opportunity to get to know you and, you know, hear your thoughts on movies and all that kind of stuff. So very cool. John, thank you for indulging me. Anytime, Pat. You're you're worth (laughs) it. Um, Thank you, Rob. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rob. All right. Well, um, Adam's Family. We came here to talk about Adam's Family, so let's get into that one. Uh, the Adam's Family, this one came out on the 22nd of November, 1991, rated PG-13, with a runtime of one hour, 39 minutes, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who also did the Men in Black movies and Get Shorty. Uh, producer for this one was Scott Rudin, who also did, uh, re- oddly enough, Regarding Henry, uh, one of our other movies this month, uh, Flatliners and The Firm. Writers for this one, the characters were originally developed by Charles Adams, who died in 1988. Caroline Thompson was also a writer, and Larry Wilson was another writer. Uh, Adams, obviously his creations led to the Adams Family TV show and all the other different kind of spinoffs. Thompson did Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Wilson was also a writer for Beetlejuice and Tales from the Crypt. Cinematography was done by Owen Roisman, who did The French Connection, The Exorcist, and Tootsie. Music was done by Mark Shaman, who did Misery and City Slickers. The budget for this one was $30 million. The box office was $191.5 million. Flick Metrics, which combines Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Letterboxd scores into an average, gives this one a 66 percent cinema score gives it a b starring angelica houston who played morticia adams she was in the witches the grifters and this is spinal tap raul julia who died in 1994 played gomez adams he was in street fighter kiss of the spider woman and presumed innocent christopher lloyd who played uncle fester or gordon craven he was in back to the future clue who framed roger rabbit dan hadaya played tully alford he played uh, he was in the usual suspects clueless and blood simple elizabeth wilson who died in 2015 played abigail craven uh, and dr greta pinderschloss she was in the graduate regarding henry and nine to five judith malina who died in 2015 played granny she was in dog day afternoon and the secret of my success carol strickin uh, played lurch or sometimes we call him dennis uh, it was in Twin Peaks, Men in Black, and Gerald's Game. I just, I've always made that joke because I think Dennis, and, and this is in a, a very affectionate way, love you too, Dennis, in a very affectionate way, I think that you would make a great lurch. If we ever did like a school production of The Adams Family, I think you would make a great lurch. 
I just think it's I just think it's funny that like you roasted this guy in front of 200 people at a staff meeting the other day. That was I mean, I was like, I wonder how the inside jokes are going to run with the, you know, because John was leading a meeting, you know, at our school and uh, there was admin. John just starts roasting Dennis and it's just like I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Now, now you did put the lurch picture on the uh, I remember that on the uh, on the uh, lounge teachers lounge. What I come back with what I do. I remember. I don't even remember. It was so good. It was so good. We can't remember. Because it was a picture. We had a picture of another teacher. Didn't they get featured in like a local news article? And so somebody had drawn somebody had drawn like an arrow and said, this is Jason and put, you know, Jason's name there. And so I replaced it with a picture of Lurch. And I said, this is Dennis. And I don't remember what you did. For it wasn't me. an elf or something. What the heck was it? It was something was it? like that. I don't know. Was it Curly from the Three Stooges? No. Okay. I mean, I, I, I would have taken that as a compliment, but. I don't know. It should have still been left up, darn it. Okay. It was good. <laughs> yeah, we've had some, uh, we've had some good ones going back and forth. Oh, uh, yeah. I, we had, a, I, did, I did a little Halloween video when I ran the news and at the very end of it, it was kind of like a shock, jump scare type of thing. And behind the curtain was, you know, we went, we jumped to a close up of John's face. Yeah. So, he paid me back later that Christmas uh, when they had the uh, big pep assembly day, uh, spirit week, whatever, and all that stuff. And the, it was ugly sweater day. So ugly Christmas sweater day. So what he did was he, uh, he just wore a regular sweater and he took a picture of me and put it right on the front. So that was in the ugly sweater <laughs> day. So yeah. Yeah. Love you, Dennis. Um, so anyway, Lurch, uh, he was also in Twin Peaks, Men in Black, and Gerald's Game. Um, actually, and I didn't write this down. I think he was, wasn't he also the, uh, like, the personal valet of uh, Loxwana Troy? Yeah, he's, yeah. I, he was Mr. Hom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dana Ivey played Margaret Alford. She was in Sabrina, The Color Purple, in Rush Hour 3. Christina Ricci, a very little Christina Ricci, played Wednesday Adams. She was in Mermaids, Now and Then, and Black Snake Moan. Jimmy Workman played Pugsley Adams. He was in Black Sheep and As Good As It Gets. Christopher Hart played Thing. He was in, oddly enough, Idle Hands. And John Franklin played Cousin It. He was in Children of the Corn. Uh, when a man claiming to be Fester, the missing brother of Gomez Adams, arrives at the Adams' home, the family is thrilled. However, Mator- Mortorsha, uh, Morticia begins to suspect the man is a fraud since he cannot recall details of Fester's life. With the help of lawyer Tully Alford, Fester manages to get the Adams' clan evicted from their home. Gomez realizes the two men are conspiring to swindle the Adams' fortune and that he must challenge Fester. When we first met years ago, it was an evening much like this. Magic in the air. A boy. A girl. An open grave. You were so beautiful. Pale and mysterious. No one even looked at the corpse. Ah! Miss! Wednesday, play with your food. Is this made from real lemons? Yes. I'll buy a cup. If you buy a box of my delicious Girl Scout cookies. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? Dang, you're a handful. I've done this before. This holiday season, they'll make you feel right at home. Last night, you're like some desperate howling demon. You frightened me. Do it again. The Adams Family. Sorry. But you'll have to wait until November 22nd. 
All right. Well, as we usually start off with these episodes, uh, my first question for each of us is, how does this movie make you feel? Patrick, how does this one make you feel? Happy? I don't know if that's the right word. Entertained? This movie is just... I'm sorry. I'm just going to use my cliche. It's awesome. It's an awesome movie. It's just a great, fun movie. And we'll get more into it, but I, I just... I think it does justice to the TV show, but kind of almost what we were talking about with the Star Trek movie. It does justice to the TV show, but then also gives you enough of a new plot that makes it interesting for a movie. And I mean, you heard it in the little uh, uh, the trailer, the feature the trailer there. It's like all the little statements that they have that makes them, you know, kind of creepy and they're, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you were a wild demon. You scared me. Do that again. I mean, it's like all those things, they weren't cheesy. It really, really worked in this movie. Um, I don't want to hog the thing, but the casting was fantastic. I mean, my goodness, I don't think you don't ask me about recasting this movie because I mean, I'm sure there's people that can do it. But the 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 leads in this movie were just great. So every time I watch this movie, I just get so excited. I, I, I remember feeling this way when I first saw it as a kid. So, yes, happy, happy joy and creepy. Do it again. <laughs> Rob, what about you? How does this one make you feel? Uh, it, it makes me feel happy and also makes me absolutely miss Raul Julia just because he's just just a, a gifted guy. That, that, that was my introduction to him. And shortly... Um, um, around this time, he was also doing Man of La Mancha on um, on stage, and my parents went and saw him and just said just how wonderful he was in that. And then he died a few la- years later. But uh, I, I just remember uh, just being super excited about that. I, I loved the show uh, as a kid, and then um, I remember all the hype about this movie being um, Thing and how Thing was an actual disembodied hand that was was running around. And that was early CGI that actually holds up rather well um so but happy yeah what about you i'm gonna go eh fun (laughs) just in that order okay okay so again when i say fun it's a fun movie um so i when i say it's not like i'm like wow it's the most i I can't go i i'm just saying the eh because i have to have something in the contrast with pat's awesome (laughs) of it um i think the happy was a good choice it's a happy fun movie i think the sight gags i think the casting is excellent i think the script might be a little bit on the weaker side but not but but the casting and the sight gags and all that stuff just make it a fun movie so um i'm not knocking it uh, in, in, in any way shape or form just trying to tone it down a notch whatever that rating would be be you know below below pat's awesome just a tad but My, yeah, i think it, and right on with raul julia yeah i mean i was shocked that he was yeah. a stroke to get a stroke or something first and then end up dying either complications from the stroke or whatever but yeah he's he, perfectly just a great cast from i top to bottom i think on this one i, I can't think of anybody that would cast it for any of those roles even a even a perfect find like finding a little Christina Ricci, you know, like get like as a child actor, like and then seeing how <laughs> kind of weird she was in real life in many ways too. It's like wow, that's like perfectly well cast. These these characters and John, you got to give your reaction. So I'm not. I, I promise to keep it short. But I mean, these characters they they looked like they were really having fun playing these roles, I, I, and that sounds like something that someone like myself that's uneducated when it comes to movies would say, Oh, just have fun with it. Like, I mean, I know that it's work and it's practice and there's a science and all that, but they look like that. 
these were really enjoyable roles for them to play. I, I, well, I, well, and I think, I think having like, you know, you have the TV show and we grew up on the TV show and people grew up on I'm sure they grew up on the TV show and watching all that stuff. And it's like, then they get to play those characters. It has to be kind of fun, exciting for them. And the, 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 the risk there is because we have that experience with the TV show you know, I think like the Flintstones, when they did the Flintstone version of the movie, it's like it could be a complete letdown. And I think in this case, it's not. And, and what I mean by that, it wasn't like hey, it was bad. It was just that's the script category, like not the greatest story in the world or anything. But it didn't need a great script because they did everything else so well and brought those characters to person on a, in a movie theater. The ones that we remembered from childhood, they didn't do it any disservice. You didn't end up going, man, I wish it was the old TV show people working up there. You totally were able to buy in with these people being all those characters with him being, you know, Mr. Adams. I, it, like it all worked. There wasn't like, man, I missed the other guy. I missed the guy. You could still appreciate the TV show and you could still appreciate the movie. And I think that's why it works so well versus you going man doesn't no i i'll go back and watch the tv show no thank you like i don't think the flintstones had that you know with what's his name john goodman all i don't think it had the same sort of feel to it when you think of any and i'm trying to think of any movies that have gone from that classic tv show to that you know yeah so i think it did serve did a good service as far as like bringing it to the screen like that so it was a fun movie. And like I said, so I get it. I agree with the visuals, visual um, effects and stuff. I think it, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. And I'm going to give my reaction, but I did want to jump in real quick. Since you mentioned Christina Ricci and, and you mentioned the actors kind of clearly loving these roles or clearly just being totally invested in these roles. And the couple of things that as I was reading up about this movie that I was just, I was so impressed with particularly Christina Ricci being so young when she made this movie was apparently she, a lot of the things that became so much of the Wednesday character, like she did on her own without, without necessarily having somebody coach her, like the whole thing of, of Wednesday, you know, sleeping like a corpse where she crosses her arms. That was her. Like she came up with that. Um, originally the way the movie was going to go was they, they were going to keep Gordon as an imposter that he wasn't the real fester at all. And they said, cast members started to push back on that. They're like, no, 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 that we, we can't do that. And I think Barry Sonnenfeld, I, I forget what interview it was or where it was, but um, he made a point of saying that the person, surprisingly, the person that gave him the most eloquent, and he didn't say what she said, the most eloquent reason for him to ultimately be the real fester at the end of the movie was little Christina Ricci. He said, all the other cast members talked to me. They told me it, it's got to be the real fester. You know, you got to change the ending of this movie. And whatever it was she said, that apparently is what changed his mind so that it ultimately would end up being the actual character of Fester. So, yeah, clearly, I mean, even a even a young kid like that, um, you know, making her impact on this movie. Well, and what's interesting about her playing that role, too, is like I said, we all had a reference point of and, and again, I'm sure she could have watched the TV show and probably did something. But like at that age, I mean, was she really watching the Adams family and growing up on that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe she did his research, but like to be able to pull that role off the way she did without having like everybody else had a reference point of like, you know, they, they knew what the old TV show was like. And they could kind of figure out how they want to do that. And I feel like, did she have more of a blank canvas with it and really bring all that weirdness to it? Or did she really, I don't know, she she couldn't have the same, I don't know, maybe she did. It'd be interesting to see. And then just, I got to throw a shout out to Angelica Houston, just fabulous in that role. I think she's excellent. Sometimes people don't, I don't know if they don't, the other kind of, you know, some of the other roles get priority, but she's excellent in that. 
Um, so yeah, so my my reaction to the movie is this movie. How does it make me feel? Unhappy, completely. I, I love this movie. Like this movie is so much fun, um, and that and I use that as my answer because that's one of the things I really enjoy about this movie. And as soon as I can get my daughter to not be freaked out by some of the the scary makeup and other stuff that she doesn't like about this movie, she will absolutely love the kind of the puns and the wordplay of the Adams family. Like she loves language and she loves hearing people play with language and she loves to do that herself. And, and as much as she complains about it, whenever I make the dad jokes and the puns and the other stuff, she's right there. And like, she'll, she'll keep it going with me. And I think just so much of the stuff in the movie, you know, thing, you're a handful and just little things like that. Or, you know, just the, the complete, she would love the line, you know, is this made with real lemons? The one that was in the trailer. If you'll buy some of my Girl Scout cookies, are they made with real Girl Scouts? Like she would love that kind of stuff. So, and that's the same stuff I love about this one. And what I loved about the old TV show was just the, just kind of the absurd, the, you know, whatever it is, take it and make it the opposite and make it, make it creepy and make it weird and make it whatever. And I remember as a kid, that's what kind of drew me to this show. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. So whatever. So if, if happy would be the right answer to that question, then I'm, they're going to say unhappy because that's what they do. They just do everything opposite and they do everything weird and, and whatnot. So, um, that's my response to this one is I remember as a kid watching the TV show on reruns. I don't know if it was Nick at night or, or where we were watching it, but we used to watch that one. We used to watch the monsters. And as a kid, I probably was a bigger fan of the monsters. Um, cool. but when this movie came out, I was like, they're making a movie, The Addams Family. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. We got to go see it. So I, we still we would have seen it in the theater. And yeah, I remember watching this several times uh, growing up as a kid. But uh, yeah, so completely unhappy is how this movie makes me feel. <laughs> That's a good quick question right away. Just I don't know if you throw it in there later, but really, it doesn't have to take long. But Monsters or Adams Family TV well, show? That's, that's one of our three questions. It is okay. Yeah. I didn't see it. Was one of those yeah, questions. yeah. So we'll we'll do that one later. Um, definitely not the uh, Here Come the Monsters uh, 1995 movie, though. We can totally skip that one. That's yeah, no, not at all, anytime soon or ever. All right. Well, so with this one, um, we kind of we, we start off in the movie and kind of the basic premise of this movie is it has been 25 years since uh, Fester has been in the Adams house. Um, he has gone missing somehow. And uh, there was a bit of a falling out. We find out and, and we find out eventually that it was because Gomez was, um, you know, kind of jealous of his success with women is what he says. And um, and I think the time works out correctly. If you if you backtrack it from 91 to 25 years back was at the time that the original TV show had ended. If I'm remembering that correctly, I think it was 1966. So that, that would have been 25. Yeah, that would have been 25 years. So um, if that's the case, then you could argue and say, well, I guess the premise of this movie is that it's 25 years. You know, the TV show maybe is canon, you know, quote unquote canon for this movie. And this is supposed to be 25 years later. And, He's disappeared. He's gone. They haven't seen him. They continue to have these seances. Um, and then you kind of mix in the plot of the, you know, the attorney trying to get the money out of them. And then all of a sudden this uh, Dr. Pinderschloss is her kind of her fake name, which I did look it up. And apparently uh, Pinderschloss is a, a kind of a German phrase that can mean like nuthouse. 
So she's supposed to be a psychiatrist named Dr. Nuthouse. Um, and, uh, and so she kind of hatches this plan with her, you know, adopted son, Gordon, that magically looks exactly like Fester, just with curly hair. And uh, their plan is they're going to go steal the Adams money, steal their gold by, you know, having him uh, impersonate as Uncle Fester in the family. Um, we already started to talk a little bit about some of the actors in this movie. Uh, you mentioned Angelica Houston. I know originally they had talked about having Cher uh, possibly play this role. Um, so that was one option. And, um, I, I think they probably, I'm, I think they made the right choice. Like you said, I can't see anybody else in these roles. I know they've done a cartoon recently. There's probably been, you know, talk of remaking one of these movies or remaking a, another Adams family movie. But I just, I, to my mind, the way this movie is made and the way that the Adams family kind of sets itself up as being a weird out of time kind of story anyway, it's one of those, I don't think you need to make a remake. You know, we, I think we talked, oh, that was quite a while ago. I had found some article that said, you know, here are the three reasons that you could make a remake. Your three arguments for making a remake to something. And one of them was, you know, do you need to update it for the times or something like that? Like that would be one of the reasons is, does it, does it need an updating because of something about the modern world, something about it needs to be updated. But this one is so, when you watch this movie, it's almost like time doesn't really matter. It's one of those movies where this could be 1966, this could be 1996, this could be 2016. It really doesn't matter. You know, this movie holds up regardless of what the year is. Um, how did you feel about that? If, especially, I think all of us here had watched the original TV show. How did you feel maybe the first time you saw this movie or rewatching it this most recent time about that being the premise for this movie was Uncle Fester's been gone for 25 years and now all of a sudden he's back. Um, but it's this weird imposter. How, how did that, how did that strike you the first time you kind of realized that that was the plot of this movie and where this is going? Rob, why don't you, uh, why don't you answer that question first? You know, guests, guests go first. Sure. Um, I, I remember that, um, Dennis brought up, um, that the, the script was definitely not the, not the strongest part of this movie. And I, and I do think that that was, it, it, that was the, the the flimsy thing holding holding the movie together. You know, how do we introduce this this family? But uh, you know, if you watch the TV show, Uncle Fester was was there, but he wasn't the focus. You know, it, it was always Gomez and Morticia, and the kids were more the focus. And Uncle Fester just kind of showed up every once in a while, and you know, put a light bulb in his mouth, did something wacky. Um, so to, to make him the the central focus of it. it it, had they not cast Christopher Lloyd in, in the Uncle Festival, I don't think it would have worked. But because it's Christopher Lloyd and he's just he's definitely having having a blast playing this, I, I think it, it worked. But I, I definitely remember sitting in the theater. And I'm like, well, obviously that's going to be Uncle Fester. He's real. So there was absolutely no surprise to me, you know, or to anybody. I don't think in the audience that, of course, he was the real Uncle Fester all along. You don't cast Christopher Lloyd for, you know, a, a movie this big and then just say, oh, no, we were just kidding the whole time. So I, I, I definitely think if, if it hadn't been for, for everything else, I mean, that that plot point probably would get if you didn't have the, the right person for it. To just make, yeah. I mean, I'd echo that same thing. I mean, it's just it, it. I guess when you're saying holding it together, I think it's in a way 
the characters, the cast, and all the other visual effects are what hold a weak script together. It's, yeah, that's really, I think that's, you don't notice it as much and you're, you're, you're less critical of it because the other things kind of trump that. Um, but yeah, I would, I would agree. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And I yeah. think you mentioned, somebody mentioned earlier about the kind of the CGI. Rob, I think you might have mentioned about the CGI in the movie, you know, with Thing and, and yeah. you know, doing all that. And it's pretty good. I mean, it, it holds up pretty well. And yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I even remember that as a kid, like even thinking that, wow, this looks, uh, you know, sometimes it, it looked a little fake in the old TV show and, and in other things that I've seen, but this is pretty good. <laughs> I don't know what hand model they cast to be Thing, but. Yeah, it was actually a magician. I, re- I remember that being the big thing. It was like, oh, it's a magician doing all that. Yeah. And apparently he also showed up in, in idle hands uh, yeah. late, late, later on in, in the 90s. Uh, but um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the whole thing is that this, you know, they were making such a big deal of, of this magician being able to act with his hands. So, you know, it, that, that was a, that was a big thing that I remember them hyping up as before the movie coming out. It's like, like, you're going to see so much more personality out of thing that you ever did on the TV show. And and I just, I just remember thing being on the TV show. I was like, oh, that was Ted Cassidy's hand when he when he wasn't Lurch, he was the hand, he was thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. You know, I think the stuff that they change because that's always, I don't know, that's always slippery slope, dangerous. You know, that could be the third rail of making movies. You know, you take a beloved TV show. You change some things because you have to change some things. You have to make the movie bigger and better, right? I mean, in some ways than a show. Otherwise, that could be a a criticism of, um, well, I'll say it. Like uh, sometimes the criticism of some of the Star Trek movies are, this is kind of like an one of the television episodes just kind of glorified, right? You want it to be, you want the movie to somehow be a little bit different, a little bit more special and all that. And I think, I think they did that. I mean, and it's funny, you know, now that you mention it, I totally forgot that thing was in a box in the TV show until you just brought it up. It's like, Oh yeah, that's right. Thing was like a pet running around. That's, completely you know and i'd totally forgotten that uh but yeah i remember when i i remember seeing that as a kid and thinking well this is no this is like this is turned up to 11 this is this is different this isn't this isn't the way that i remember and i think as in that when the phrase came out this isn't your this isn't your father's adam's family this is a brand new one i mean i'm i'm kind of mixing my phrases here but i mean i i think they did enough um of the movie to kind of like turn it up a little bit the creepiness and, and that, you know, it was at one level in the show. The movie got a little bit more, a little bit more into the macabre, not completely over the top. But I mean, just I know I know they said that they were thinking about trying to get Tim Burton to direct this, but it was almost like when Tim Burton would take a look at things. Right. OK, Tim Burton does Batman. And what happens? It takes a step towards the dark right in terms of the in you know the the creepiness okay his movie so i know this wasn't tim burton but that's kind of what this had it had it it like just took that creepiness and scariness and all that and kind of upped it just a little bit just to make you a little bit more on the edge of your seat just to make it bigger than what it was in the tv show and i i i I thought they did just enough to like, oh, wow, this is different. Uh, this isn't the Adams family that I, that I remember from Nick at Night, but not so much that you get turned off or 
oh, come on, guys, really? This is, you know, and we talked about, would you redo it now? That would just be my fear is like, I'd be fine if you had another round of actors that just say, hey, I don't know if we can do better, but I want another crack at it. Yeah, okay, have at it. Let's let's see, you know, different actors and actresses in these roles. But I would just worry that they would want to, they would want to, you know, they would want to take it too far. They would want to take that creepy and kind of like, and make it like trying to gross you out a little bit too much. Or, I mean, those wonderful scenes with, you know, um, Morticia and, um, uh, what's Mr. Adam's name? Gomez. 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 Yeah. Morticia and Gomez, whenever, you know, Tish, you're speaking French. And then she says something and then all of a sudden they remember their second honeymoon. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, let's just say the romance is still alive in the marriage. And that's, I mean, that's awesome. I would just be worried now that if they did it, they would want to make it like really, you know, okay, you're showing us too much that show us just enough that like, you know, leave something to the imagination. And I think this movie does that. They up it enough but they leave enough to your imagination that it's not like, okay, that's, that's too much. I'm done watching now. And, uh, I, I, I think that's, I think it's pretty cool. I think they struck a, a really good balance in it. There is a really funny episode. I, I've talked about this before on the show. This, my wife and I love the TV show mad about you. And there is a really <laughs> funny episode where John Aston becomes their upstairs neighbor and the entire time, you know, they keep talking about him. They mentioned him a couple of times during the episode. And then at some point they, they get locked out of their apartment and they end up on the roof. And John Aston is up there having dinner with a date or his girlfriend or whatever. And they've spent the entire time. Are you, you are him, aren't you? And he's like, yes, I am. And the other one says, no, you're not him, are you? No, I'm not. And he's just this whole absurd thing where he keeps his back and forth. But then he starts, um, you know, he'll he'll uh, start playing some music. He'll start dancing, doing all the other stuff that Gomez Adams would do. And um, he at, at one point, one of them says, I think the, the Helen Hunt, the wife says, well, um, uh, it is time for us to say goodnight. So I really must say au revoir. And he's like, can't fool me. That's French. <laughs> <laughs> and they do all the same kind of gags, but it's it's hilarious. That's awesome. It got to awesome. me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think I think one of the things about this is it, it brings in so much of, you know, if you were a fan of the TV show, there's just so many little Easter eggs or there's so many little um, just little reminders of what you loved about the TV show that are just peppered throughout this movie um you know so that if you're coming to this brand new if you've never seen adam's family before it's still a fun movie you know it's still gonna be a fun movie for kids and and i think it's for that age you know when i first saw this i would have been about 10 and so i i think that's just right around the time where you can really start to get some of the dark humor but it's not so dark i mean sometimes it is but it's not so dark that it's inappropriate um but it's just you're just at that age where you're starting to be able to get you know some of the some of the little jokes or some of the little comments in here um and yet it it balances it by not being overly gruesome you know when doing that so I, that's one of the things I appreciate about it, this movie, too. Um, the talent show notwithstanding. Well, you know. <laughs> All the people sitting in the audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, in this, um, I, I got a question for you guys because I've always kind of wondered this. So I want to I want to find out what you think what you think your answer is for this. Um, and this is general. This is not even necessarily specific to this movie. Um, are the Adams family supernatural? You know, I've heard some people say Morticia is probably a vampire, and you know. Uh, Lurch is like a Frankenstein monster. And, you know, I've heard all these different things, you know, from time to time. And, well, how could a real human withstand electrical shocks and withstand all this other stuff? Uh, what do you guys think? You think the Adams family, are they supernatural in some way? Or are they just weird, kooky human beings that can somehow withstand electrical shocks? And torture and arrows and all kinds of I other stuff reaction to your question is i always thought yeah that there was a little something different and not just like that they're normal people that there was something that they were a different you know, that they were she was a vampire you know that he was more frank and say yeah, yeah like that type of yeah so that would that's just my first gut reaction when you asked that question that quickly and it, i would think yeah i thought that's what i always thought i think from tv show on to movie as well i mean fester i mean what who, who do you know i mean yeah They're not not a, if there was a DNA or a, some sort of autopsy, there would be something different about them. Wednesday, where are you going with that? (laughs) To stab Pugsley. I don't think so. He pulls out like the huge, like butcher knife thing. Or not, not a butcher knife. That's like an ax. To me, it's just like the monsters where what's her name is the only one that's normal. Right. That's right. The niece. Is it Merit? Wait, what's the, what's her name? Well, yeah, I, I was just going to say it's the niece, right? Isn't mm-hmm. it her? Yeah, Denise. Okay, I thought you said Denise. I'm like, I thought it isn't it? Like, it's a name for the monster. Is it Marilyn? Yeah, it was Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marilyn. Like, she's like a normal human being, and somehow I don't know how she got in the family with all them. Mm-hmm. That's not like they were, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's the same sort of feeling for the Adams family is that they were all kind of of that weird, different. Well, and, yeah. and, and because clearly in in the monsters they were supernatural like grandpa was a vampire um, you know uh was it eddie was a eddie wolf, was boy. A yeah. wolf boy yeah wolf boy. yeah frankenstein and then she was a vampire yeah rob what's your take on that are they supernatural or are they just normal humans i just always ta- taught them as you know freaks mm-hmm. that that there was they were they were just different and i i'd never thought about it as a supernatural element i just thought that you know their house was where, where all the monsters live and the monsters are happy and the monsters, you know, kind of protected them. That's how I looked at it as, as I was a kid. I was like, yeah, leave the Adams pe- people alone. If you somehow get into their house, their house is going to protect them. So leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we get, uh, as we get a little bit further on into the movie here, um, Gordon kind of Gordon slash Fester, uh, kind of gets, you know, he gets in with the family and, and I think you kind of see a little bit of a blurring of, you know some of the some of the lines there, as it seems like from time to time that maybe he really is Fester, but we're not entirely sure. Um, and we've got that scene where he's helping the kids prepare the the sword fighting sequence for their school play, um, which that's God, if if I was directing a school play, I'd totally do that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Shakespeare, a little bit, you know. Um, and uh, then we get to the point where the Adams are going to get, they find out that Fester is the executor of the estate. And so the Adams are actually going to get evicted from their house because if, if he's Fester, he pretty much owns everything. Um, and so they actually do because the judge from the beginning that didn't like golf balls, uh, you know, getting hit towards his house happens to be the judge that is handling this case and rules against them. So they are 
ousted from the mansion. And uh, then the the freaks of the Adams family have got to go get real jobs and they're staying in a motel. And um, love that scene where Morticia becomes the school teacher. And I had <laughs> I had read about when they had the kids sitting in that room and they've got that scene. Um, the one part where they get the kids to all start crying at once was they left the cameras rolling. And I don't know if it was Barry Sonnenfeld or somebody else came in and said, kids, that scene, you guys did a great job. Now, everybody sit still. Um, we're going to go get some needles and you're all going to get your vaccinations. Measles. Oh, it was the measles. Yeah, yeah. Said yep. that, yep. You're going to get your measles vaccination. And and they said, like, one kid realized what they were saying and started crying. And then the rest of them, it was almost like dominoes that just all of a sudden, all the kids in the room were like, no, they did just completely the entire room lost it. And they're like, nope, we're just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. That's cold, man. That's cold. <laughs> Um, so they do, uh, and, and that's the scene where Wednesday and Pugsley are trying to sell the lemonade and, uh, thing, I think becomes a, a messenger of some kind and, uh, Gomez is just not doing well. Um, so he's, he's not handling this very well. And, um, you know, ultimately they, through series of events, um, you know, they, they find out what's going on. They find out that, uh, you know, he's been impersonating Fester and then, um, he will like they're they're not going to give up the the family fortune without a fight. So um, they use a one of the magical books in the library, which having been an English teacher and a wife who's a librarian, uh, that was kind of a fun part too. Like all the different books that have the different effects. You know, I, there was the uh, the sun also rises. Was that the one where he's getting a tan and he's holding the book open? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. the the one was the first one was Gone with the Wind earlier in the movie and then the one they ultimately end up using was the um the history of hurricane i forget what it was but it was like history of, yes hurricane irene, irene. Mm-hmm. yeah and that was just fun like just to, to see that kind of stuff and uh, just just so much fun um just all the little quirky weird things that are kind of like you guys said it's like even if they're normal people um, you know, everything around them is supernatural and weird and they don't need to be supernatural themselves. They just, I, Rob, I think you just said it a minute ago, like they live surrounded by the supernatural and that's fine. Like that's all you need. You don't need to go yeah. any further than that. And the movie did some fun, so some fun treatments for that, especially when, you know, and I wanted to ask you guys this, cause we were talking about evil dead before, you know, when the, uh, what do they call when the deadites are coming, right? And you just get that view where the camera's on the ground and it's like, and it's zooming up and over things, but it's from the ground. I don't know if that was a common horror thing or if that movie really started it. I, But they use that with cousin, or not cousin it, uh, thing. When it's like, knocking, knock again. Wait, Fester's here. And all of a sudden, whoop, thing jumps up and is like running through the house. And that's the view you get. And it's just funny because, you know, in any other movie that that's like a horror technique that'll, you know, scare you out of your socks. But in this, it's like thing is really excited, you know, I mean, and it's in a way that kind of brings you into the way that the Adams family look at things. What we all look at as creepy and scary. They look at as normal. What we would consider an insult, they'll they'll be able to, you know, reverse it. Right. Is he just a dreamer? A lazy, you know, a bum, and she, not anymore. Has he been coughing up blood? Not like he used not to. Not like he used yeah. to. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just, and again, I'm, I'm going way scattershot on what I'm saying, but again, um, 
Why, why can't I think of her name? Morticia. Who played Morticia? Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Perfect delivery. I mean, those lines, if they if they weren't delivered the way she did, with her, the way her voice sounded, the way she looked, everything, I mean, I, I think that would have fallen flat. But all these little throwaway lines, that's what the Adams do. It doesn't matter whether they're supernatural or whether they're uh, uh, just regular people that like the creepiness and all that kind of stuff. It's just like... That's the way they kind of turned the world on its ear. And when you got that scene of Thing running through the house, any other movie, that's scary because, like I said, and, and please tell me, I mean, was it was it the first time you see that is when the deadites are zooming over the gotcha. and now we'll get that same camera technique. But now it's like, oh, it's Thing. We're, we, things on our side. Things are pet. You know, we, we like you're starting to th- see things like the Adams are seeing things. And that was that was just a cool little cool little treatment in there i thought when that happened well you get the tire screeching sound when he tries to like round the corner yes so you know it's not meant to be scary at all when a hand is making tire screeching noises taking the turn right um thing you're a handful (laughs) so we ultimately i remember as a kid just laughing out loud at that whole scene at the end where um, they're kind of uh, where the the two of them, um, God, I'm blanking on their names. Um, uh, Tully and Abigail are thrown out of the window and into the open graves that have been dug by uh, Pugsley and Wednesday. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny as a kid. I don't know why that got me as a kid, but I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I know. They start. Do they? Let's bury them. Are they dead? Does it matter? Doesn't matter. Well, I know that's the monsters I'm singing. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. And then you then you finish off the movie itself. Uh, you know, it kind of ends with jumping ahead. I think it's like six or seven months and it's Halloween. And, um, you know, they, they kind of bring it up that Gordon was really fester all along. And, you know, some of the different stories that were um, that they thought was made up actually being true and um, that he had been suffering from amnesia, but he's being recovered. He got struck by lightning. So he's getting his memories back now. And, um, and they, I think the final thing is the kids, uh, they, they go play wake the dead and uh, you know, and then they kind of announced that uh, Morticia is pregnant and then mm-hmm. that's, whoop, that's the end of the movie. And yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of where we go from there. Um, now, Rob, you mentioned this, and this might have been before we started recording. Um, you had mentioned, so I'm curious to know uh, a little bit more about this, and we'll we'll probably do this movie in a couple of years, but you had mentioned that you might actually like Adam's Family Values better than this movie. Yes, and, and I have to go back. I just remember this, the script was 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 stronger. Um, you know, they now that they've set up all the characters and everything, they just got they they just got on with it, and I, I just remember it being you know. Joke, 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 and, and of course they gave a very sizable more uh, screen time to Christina Ricci's Wednesday because her and Pugsley get a camp, so it was you know another fish out of water. But putting you know Christina Ricci already has Wednesday Adams has the best lines in this one, and she has you know you know a dictionary full of them in, in the second one. So I, I I think they just they realized she stole the movie. You know you you steal the movie away from established actors and you're here to this 10 year old girl. So they realized 
and they they really made the focus more on on the children. So I, I think that's probably why. I mean, you know, I I thought Christina Ricci was adorable, and and I remember seeing Casper and saying, "Oh, her career's over," and then <laughs> she was in um, you know, Adam's Family Values, and you know. I, I, I still laugh. I was watching it last night and she's sitting there with Pugsley and she's strapping him in the electric chair. She said, we're going to play a game. And he goes, well, what's the game? She says, oh, is there a God? And it's just perfect deadpan. Delir- and that still makes me laugh. And of course the girl scout cookies line still makes me laugh, but she, oh, yeah. she has the best laughs in the, in the movie. And they, they really did lean into that more the in the sequel. Line? It was about the lemonade. It was the, uh, is this made with real lemons? And I'll have some if you buy some of my Girl Scout cookies. Is it made with real Girl Scouts? Yeah, that's yeah. It, that's it. <laughs> and like you said, just the deadpan delivery of yes. all of that. I, you know, I, I live for a stretch of time in England, so I, I love a good dry delivery of something. And that's that to me is, is probably the best thing about her character. And, and that part is just in the, it's the way, and you brought up a couple of the other ones. It's the way she says it, you know, we're going to play a game. What's the game called? Is there a God? And it's just, there's like no emotion, there's, but it's perfect. And how a 10 year old was able to do that and do that so well. It just, it's a testament to her as an actor. Mm-hmm. Well, as we start to wrap things up, I, my question, uh, my next question for us is, do you have, we can kind of combine these together a little bit. Do you have a favorite scene or, and, or do you have a favorite quote in the movie? I mean, there's tons of like little one liners and stuff like that in this movie, but do you have a favorite scene? Do you have a favorite quote? One quote, dirty pool, old man. Probably, probably for me, it has to be the, uh, the, sh- the Shakespeare uh, oh. reenactment on the stage. Just, be, just because you don't know, unless you've seen the movie before, if you don't know what's coming and then when that happens and the reaction, the, the good wide shot of the audience in the front, it looks like they've just seen Sweeney Todd. <laughs> They're just covered in blood and the looks yeah. on their face. It's a great shot. And it, 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 it's, it's something you think that, you know what? On a good day, if I think I can get away with it, I would definitely let my kids do that. Yeah. So, so you were asking, are they supernatural or regular people? Here's what I'll ask. When uh, Fester wired that up for them, do you think that was real blood in there? Maybe not human blood, but you think it was like, uh, you know, some kind of weird animal blood that grandmama had, you know, in her kitchen or whatever? Oh, I, that I, would, I, I bet it was real blood. I, I would just think that would make that scene outstanding. 
Yeah, I, I bet it's real blood because I mean they go through that whole thing where she's unpacking his bag earlier, and she they get to the cyanide, she's like fester, as if we would run out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, her delivery is just so mouthwateringly awesome. I, you know, for her, and and I don't know if I'm going to say I don't know if this is my favorite. There's just so many quotes in the movie, so I'm not even sure I could narrow it down. But one of the scenes that I laugh at every single time, and it just it always catches me every single time, and I know I've heard it so many times already, is they're going through, and um, oh, what was it? It was uh, Uncle Knickknack. This is Uncle Knickknack's uh, winter wardrobe. <laughs> this is Uncle Knickknack's summer wardrobe. Oh, Uncle Knickknack. <laughs> and they they spread those out. Like I was listening in the trailer because sometimes the knock on those movies are, hey, all the funny stuff in the trailer. Mm. In this, you get a good dosage of it, but you realize that it's just like they, they keep that coming pretty consistently. They're always reminding you that they, you know, the Adams see things a little bit differently than everybody else. And it never gets stale and they never use it up and it, it, it never gets like, oh, here we go again. A quippy one liner. Uh, you know, I mean, it's all um, it's it's always fresh. That must be I don't know. You guys tell me, is that, I mean, is that just down to the actors that can bring these characters to life? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's well because I mean, as, as we've as we've already said that I think it's just you know you have these amazing actors, you know, and who would you like we've said already? Who would you put in these parts other than these actors? You know, you you wouldn't. I, I can't think of any anybody other than Angelica Houston to play that part. Anybody other than Raul Julia? Um, yeah. Yeah. Just so good. Were there any other scenes? Anybody have any other scenes or any other quotes in particular that you really like? I don't know. I, it's, I don't know if it's, again, hard, coming up with a scene for me is harder. I mean, there's so many quotes and it's just, like I said, uh, so many different, just the gag lines. But I liked where they were, when, the, when they were playing with the electric, where he's about to electrocute him, how they play it off. Like like when you got kids and you got to go somewhere. Was the mm-hmm. children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute him, but we're late for the charity auction. But mother, I said, no, please. And that was, oh, all right. Just kind of like how that would be like a normal situation with your kids leaving. But here they're about to like, you know, the whole electrocution thing. So it was just a little quirky stuff like that. I think the the the, car- the, the chemistry between um, Gomez and Morticia too is just classic. Oh. Lines when we first met, you know, years ago, and was that for first first funeral? I think that's right. Grave, you were so beautiful, pale and mysterious. No one even looked at the corpse. <laughs> that's like right. it's just like I, so. It's hard to pick. It's just like all those little moments. That's why it's a fun fun movie. Yeah. Where's your Halloween costume, darling? This is my costume. I'm a homicidal maniac. They look like everyone else. Yeah. What was the one with her in the, with the college too? With uh, or like where the no college first uh, was the. We should talk about the witch, the great, the picture of her great aunt, uh, the witch, and dancing around or something naked, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> the teacher's like really into something like, uh, oh yeah, but but don't worry, we've told Wednesday college first. <laughs> yeah. And this student shows the president, and this chooses. Student change so and so. Jane Pauley. <laughs> Jane Pauley. Have you talked to her parents? Have you spoken to the child's parents? <laughs> oh man. Just just great writing. Just great stuff. And that's why I, I get again, it's like, you know, this this it didn't 
would it have been great to have an awesome script? Yeah, but it, it doesn't really, you don't feel that. I mean, you just go, yeah, it would have been nice to have a better script. I'm trying to think of another movie that I feel that same way that's like, yeah, the script's weak, but man, that's just fun. Hmm. I mean, like, you know, honestly, Caddyshack, is Caddyshack have a great script? In terms no. of like <laughs> a storyline or a plot? No. no. There's nothing like really groundbreaking there. But it's just all these little things strung together in a perfect cast, and I think it's it's sort of that feeling of like, I, I can for, I can forego the, the script if you're going to give me all that because so many other places or movies might have better stories and scripts but horribly acted or just there's not chemistry and, and I think this just had all the other pieces it needed to make you forget about the script yeah it was a critical look at the script that's going to make you go walk out and say I don't like that movie and, and I and I do I forgot who was it Rob that you said or who was I think it was Rob that said about if it wasn't for um you know, because there was the big focus on uh, on Fester, and that if it wasn't uh, uh, what's his name playing Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd playing that, that that could have been a total like disaster. Because you were going to focus on that character as much for the whole thing, and if we didn't like Uncle Fester, if he did, I mean, the facial expressions that he did were just oh, you know, amazing. Yeah. So I think if 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 you don't have that, then that makes you focus more on the script. You know. As, as, a, as a negative and, and, and taking away from the enjoyment of the movie. But obviously we've all enjoyed this one. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'll come back. I think it was, I think I said fun at the beginning. I said eh, fun and eh, it was for the script and fun was for just fun movie. Yeah. All right. All right. I, one thing I did want to mention, I think Rob, you and I, I think we're talking about this before we started the recording, but uh, before we jump into our three questions, um, it is kind of a miracle that this movie actually got made because there were so many things that happened during the production of this movie. And at, at different times, I, I want to say, did they go through three uh, directors of photography? At least two, I think it was, because the first one quit a few months in. The second one got sick. I feel like Barry Sonnenfeld himself, didn't he have like chest pains and have to get rushed to the hospital at one point? Yeah, he, like the whole, the stress of it was what almost killed him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally Jeez. almost killed him. So yeah, that was that was something I was doing doing some research, but they were having rights issues, like 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 hanging over the whole production. So when they finally got the rights signed over, it was all like rushed, and and mm-hmm. I, you know I think the only thing that absolutely you can't nobody can argue about outside of casting is the production design is outstanding mm-hmm. for this for the movie. So I, I think they were just I think they probably had enough time. To saying that they were gonna they were hoping to get this movie going so they could actually spend time getting the look right because i mean that's probably why the script was so weak it was like throw it together as quick as possible let's get it get it moving mm-hmm. well i feel like to your point about the you know the uh, production issues and the the rights for this um because the movie started off being made by Orion Pictures, and they had had, even though they'd had some big, you know, successes, I think in the in the couple of years before this, they also had a, a lot of flops. And I think when this one started to run over budget, um, you know, they they kind of realized they weren't going to be able to continue funding this movie. And I believe they sold it to Paramount, if I remember that correctly, and um, and even the. I want to say even most of the cast and crew did not realize that it had been sold to a completely different studio, you know, in the midst of, I think this came towards the end of making the movie, but I think they didn't quite realize that, you know, partway through they actually were working for a completely different studio at that point. Um, Cause Orion, I think thought that this was not going to be as successful as it ended up being. 
Um, and so they just sold it and kind of cut their losses at that point. All right. Do we have anything else we want to say about this one before we go into our three questions? No? Fun movie? Yeah. Fun movie. All right. Uh, and then so uh, two more years from now, we'll do Adam's Family Values. That one was 1993. So we'll have that one coming up in 2023. It just sounds weird to say. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump on into our three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, three questions. Question number one, who is your favorite member of the Adams Family? And you could you can expand that to TV show, movies, whatever you want. Who is your favorite um, member of the Adams family? Uh, yeah, Rob, go ahead first. Go ahead first. Uh, in in this movie Wednesday, but always on the show. I, I always like good as Adams. I just did. Yeah, I'm gonna go close. I thought he was gonna say what I was gonna say, but yeah, Wednesday for the movie for this movie Wednesday, she has the best lines and best delivery in the mail. And then for the TV show, it was actually Jackie Coogan playing Fester. My vote's for Morticia. I, uh, I, I think um, Angelica Houston just brings it. I mean, just, I mean, I, and I can't compare because Raul Julia brings it. Well, Christopher Lloyd brings it. Well, yeah, I mean, so I, I just, but yeah, I just, I just, I, I thought all her mannerisms just, and it, it, and I think it, I think for me, it was because all of it was, she, <laughs> She wasn't playing over the top. It was kind of the, it was kind of the, the op, it was like a, what is it? Speak softly, but carry a big stick. I mean, that was it. All of her stuff was just so very subtle and just kind of slipped in there. And it was like, oh, that's awesome. Right. And so I thought, uh, yeah, yeah. For me, she really. Uh, and isn't the tiebreaker for you really the vampire goth fetish that you used to tell me about years ago? <laughs> Well, yeah, Dennis, that's, 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 that's exactly right. That was, you know, what can I say? She vaguely <laughs> resembled yeah, Monica Bellucci in this like movie. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad I'll that's going up like that again for you. Yeah, I know. There was that one time that, that, what, that one time on our, our road trip to Transylvania, that, that one night at Fright Fest, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah. Well, it, 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 that wasn't it, great it, America either. <laughs> <laughs> we had our own little, fr- <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Go yeah, ahead, stuff out, John. <laughs> well, be- between Morticia Adams, Lily Munster, and Elvira, oh. I don't think I stood stood a, stood a chance as a kid and, and into finding women who who are dark and macabre and um, attra- attractive in in all the right ways. Yeah, as as my type. <laughs> I do joke, but Lily Munster was. <laughs> Did like Lily Monster as a kid. Yeah. All right. Well, Pat, if any of that is true, um, there's a TV show I've got for you on HBO called True Blood that you might enjoy. True Blood. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to go check that okay. one out. All right. I, I, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, um, you know, the guys just uh, Rob and Dennis just like almost fell off their chairs laughing when you said True Blood. So I'll uh, I'll check out the trailers and and, and see. Yeah, you won't sleep. <laughs> Is this going to be like one it's of those awesome. things that like I watch 20 minutes of a horror movie and then have to binge the, watch The Matrix three times in a row just to watch? Watch no, no, this. no, no, no. It's, it's not even it's not even a horror TV show. Oh, OK. It's like a, it's kind of like uh, and actually I read the first book. It's kind of like a trashy romance novels, but oh. uh, but with vampires and werewolves and fairies. Oh, so it's like the adult version of that book series that yeah, came out when yeah. everyone was very, very yeah. adult. <laughs> OK, <laughs> yes. So um, if, if you've got a thing for vampires, this is the show like, for you. <laughs> Like an old version of Twilight, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, uh, Twilight, yeah. Okay, I've heard of that. One. Yeah, and well, hey, you, I, you you probably will be fine with it because you're you're a fan of uh, Wolverine and the X Men, and the main actress in the show is uh, Anna Paquin from uh, she was Rogue in the X Men oh, movie. So there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, trashy romance novels. I mean, that's like right up my alley. That's I mean, what I that's what I mean. I mean, that's second only to romantic like rom droms mm-hmm. or com bombs or whatever the heck that kind of stuff that I don't want, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, the joke's done. I'm done. I'm in the grave. Bury me. Am I alive? Doesn't matter. Okay. I'm done. And we don't even notice the corpse. Um, Morticia mm, Adams. There you go. Um, yeah. My answer for this one is probably going to be, I'm probably going to go either Morticia or Wednesday for, I, I'm going to just have to go with you guys and just say Morticia or Wednesday in the movie. Um, I love both of their deliveries. Like it really doesn't matter for me. Both of them are excellent. So movie wise, that one, my favorite in the TV show as a kid was, and and so here, maybe this can redeem me picking on you all the time, Dennis. My favorite character in the TV show was always Lurch. Yeah. I knew you were going to say Lurch. Yeah. I, I always, <laughs> Lurch to me, it was just, it was just funny. Just, uh, just every time, like, you know, Roll his eyes and uh, yes, yes, Dennis. That's why you and I hang out so much, probably. <laughs> so, did that bother you with, with them in, in the movie making Lurch mute and not saying anything? I, I remember as a kid missing that because my my dad would kind of jokingly do that. You know, if I would, you know, if I'd ask for something or if I'd come into the room and be like, Dad, Dad, and every once in a while he'd be like, You rang, yeah. and he would do that kind of thing. And I, I remember in the movie, he'd be like. He never said that in the movie. I know. That's what he's that supposed is, to say. Yeah. Did did the monsters have a, a, a like a butler a, um personal assistant valet? No. no. Okay. Okay. They had a dragon under the stairs, but Yeah, okay. Yeah. That I remember the stairs coming up and mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we gave a, a bunch yeah, of shout-outs yeah, like the chauffeur, like the driver. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what favorite characters I, you know and i'm i'm just going to break the rule and start listing everybody but i mean how can we not mention Raul Julia and Christopher Lloyd and just talk about like that just utter top shelf you know 10 out of 10 performances i mean in this and and it's like they all they all play a different angle right like uh, uh gomez adams is acted big you know that's like that's huge and uh, Morticia, she acts small. And then Christopher Lloyd acts weird. You know, it's it's really they're 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 covering all the different angles and it just it fits together like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Right. It just really, really. It really, really works. 
All right. Question number two, and we we kind of started to get into this a little bit earlier. Adam's family or the Munsters? I will say for me as a kid, I, I loved both. Like we watched, you know, when, when the reruns were on, whether it was Nick at Night or whatever it was, I, I forget how we were watching it. Um, but when we were watching it, I mean, I, and I kind of feel like sometimes they might have put these back to back somewhere. So you had like Adam's family and then it was the yeah. monsters or, or whatever the case might be. Um, as a kid, I think I totally would have said monsters. And if I was going to go back and watch, I would still watch either of the shows. Like that doesn't diminish my, my love of the Adams family. Um, you know, but I think as a kid, I Herman Munster was goofy and I, I just kind of loved his character. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I love the idea of the dragon under the stairs and I, just all that stuff. And yeah, I obviously Adam's family has done better than monsters has. I mean, all the, when they tried to make monsters movies and they tried to do a remake. No, <laughs> no, mm -hmm. I think I mentioned earlier, there's a 19, 1995 TV movie called here come the monsters. Avoid it. It's not good. Um, so I, I loved both. I think it would just, the monsters would just barely edge out, um, Adam's family for me. Yeah. I, I have to, you know, to me, they, they coexist. Um, the Adam's family definitely is, you know, the TV show definitely went for the zany and weird. And I was talking to you a little bit earlier. The monsters occasionally had like a little bit more thematically going on underneath. There was, there was a little bit more of the, the, the message of being accepted and the importance of accepting people being different. Adam's family didn't seem to care that anybody thought that they were weird or, or different or creepy and kooky, wherever. Um, so if, if you wanted to go, go to uh what, what was the more wholesome you know uh, of, of them I, I would definitely say and the monsters probably had better writing and you know i don't if you put put them in a cage match you know john astin versus fred gwynn you know I, I think you're gonna have have two steaming corpses at the end because i couldn't i could I, I i couldn't decide who to throw a chair in to help <laughs> help out you know Fred Gwynn will forever, you know, for me, have that classic performance in my cousin Vinny as the judge, you know, just, you know, just, just transcends being Herbin Munster for, for just that time. But outside of that and, and Judd in uh, Pet Cemetery, he, he's always going to be Herman Munster. John Aston is probably always going to be Gomez Adams, but he's done so much else that, um, and especially a lot of voice work that he's, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's happy being Gomez. So, I also have a lot of. I, I actually had a run in with um, at, at a at a uh, comic convention in Baltimore years and years ago. Uh, the the gentleman who played uh, Grandpa Monster, I'm slipping on his on his name, and I should know it. He was signing autographs, and he wasn't being an absolute jerk to people. <laughs> so that kind of turned me off, and I was just like, Grandpa Munster's me. He, he was he was saying, no personalizations, no handshakes, no pictures. Keep moving. It was just like. <laughs> Wow, so that that kind of kind of turned me off just a little bit. So uh, you know, long story. I, I, I gotta go, Adams. Is it Al Lewis? Is it the actor? Al, Al Lewis. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think for this one, I'm just gonna have to answer yes. <laughs> I I've really I mean here I'm hearing what everyone's saying, and I mean, I'll say you know what, Adams family. But I don't think I've seen the monsters in the wild. Man, you're right. Maybe monsters. Yeah, 
but I really like that. Yeah, I, I'm going back and forth. I'm I'm really and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I always do this. I always answer yes to these questions. I can't do that. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to answer yes. I, I think both both shows and, and I want to go back and watch them. We found the channel, you know, the me TV channel. And uh, I remember we put it on. We're like the, the kids. Oh, my gosh, you guys got to check this out. Weirdly enough, like the kids were kind of like, OK, with the Munsters and the Adams family, but they both really got into mash. And my kids are seven and 11. So my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter loves MASH. Like she can't, every time a helicopter comes on, she goes, is this MASH? No, this is the A-team. Oh, okay. And uh, so I don't know. So I got to, I got to try to re-up the Adams family and the Munsters. But uh, yeah, I, they're, they're, they, they're both great shows. That is insane to me because I can't stand MASH. Really? I never liked okay. that show. Yeah. I don't know okay. why. It just, I think there was always a show on that I wanted to watch. And then mm -hmm. my dad would put on MASH. I was like, Dad, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch something. So I just have this, I have this reaction to, you know, when the music comes on, I'm like, mm, no, nope, got to change the channel. Yeah. yeah. One of the only TV shows, I, there was a project we had to do in high school. If my wife is listening right now, she'll, she'll start laughing. We had to do this project <laughs> in high school where we had to do this. Um, uh, we had to fold paper. We had to do the origami fold into geometric shapes and we couldn't use any tape or any glue or anything like that. I'm about the least handy crafty person ever. Um, so my shape was going to require a lot of glue and a lot of tape and I knew I was not going to do well on this project and I just kept working at it kept trying to get it and it ended up being like three o'clock in the morning and my whole thing was just a massive mess of glue and tape and it was all you know scrunched in on one side and I had the tv on in the basement while I was working and and all of a sudden it ended up being they were starting like a three-hour early morning marathon of mash and that music came on and I think I just started crying like at that point, I just, I'm like, I hate, I hate geometry. I hate craft projects. I hate mash. I just want to go to bed. And it, yeah, no, I, I'm not a big fan of mash, but good for your kids. Hey, you know, <laughs> have you watched mash later? No, I love, I love mash. Um, I think I might've watched an episode or two later and I, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the wise packs. That's why I'm kind of surprised you wouldn't, you know, yeah. you said dry, dry kind of humor and stuff. Mm. I'm surprised you, uh. And then also had kind of the serious tone of you know the war stuff, and, and yeah, I thought it was a good blend. We oh, grew up on Nash, so I, I loved it. I think it's just a mental block from childhood. Some sort of therapy, yeah, therapy could. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. what I really what I love watching going back and seeing those old shows, and and, and I'm going to tie it back to the what we're talking about here, and you mentioned it, and this is what makes me want to watch the Munsters and the Adams Family. Is uh, Rob? I think you mentioned that the like you felt like in the Munsters, the writing there was a little bit more. I, it, did you say social commentary or yeah, and social? Yeah. Yeah. There's a message. There's yeah. a message. And I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say, Oh, well, modern shows just don't have a message, but it's amazing because that's, you know, when we started watching mash, I remember looking at my wife just this, like a month ago when we just rediscovered it in me TV, I'm like, you know, it's really amazing that you can watch these shows and there is, and I mentioned like, there's a lot going on here. And it's all hitting you within a half hour and it's all within the framework of, you know, something that passed the uh, League of Decency and allowed it to be on television. It's not like people had to like be taking their clothes off or dropping F-bombs or gratuitous violence, but there's like a strong message there. And I, I think, boy, I'm going to sound like an old and say, oh, the old stuff was better. But I mean, it's that's just 
cool to go back and revisit and see these things that are on one level. This is really entertaining. This is funny or creepy or whatever. But then, oh, wow, there's there's a depth here that I'm not going to go so far to say that modern television lacks, but I think it doesn't quite have that same enduring message that maybe you saw in a lot of those older shows. Like now you get a little bit more of a kind of a ripped from the headline kind of like, this is what's happening in the world. Look at it. We're going to put it in our show and it's cool. I mean, it's good stuff, great acting and I'm not, but I, yeah, I think those older shows, it was just different how they were putting a message out there. I'm, I, maybe I'm full of, full of beans. So, you know, feel free to, I'm going to go with, um, I, I got to split up the two and say movie, obviously Adam's family TV show. We were, me and my brothers were definitely more monsters than Adam's family. We watched it, but like, like I think Robin said, it is definitely a little bit more strange and out there. Um, and there wasn't a takeaway message from those all the time where I would almost liken when I was thinking about it and is kind of thinking about this whole message part of it, there was almost an element of, this is going to sound weird, but Andy Griffith, in the sense that there was Opie, a lot of them centered around the boy. And then there was that fatherly advice. Like you, you felt, I mean, I wish like, it was like, man, must Mr. Munster as goofy as he is, man, he would be a cool dad. Like you, you don't say that about Gomez. You know, I don't sit there and thinking like Gomez, I wish that was my family, but like the Munster, there was a certain kind of lovingness to the whole family. And like, they were the normal people and everyone else was the weirdos. And because they saw people as different and it used that in a lot about bullying. And there was a lot of those things that he, you know, that, uh, I think it's Butch, um, dealt with. Mm-hmm. So, and there was that advice from the, it, it was, a, it was almost literally kind of like a, sort of a honeymooner Sandy Griffith sort of feel of like there was little lessons at the end of it. And the, the way, you know, Jackie Gleason would always kind of tie it together with some sort of message that he learned from almost from the show, you know, about like his wife and he appreciated her more. And he would say something about, you know, and there was always that little kind of sit down moment where at the end where they kind of learned their lesson from the show. And, and I think we just gravitated. And we, I think both have awesome theme songs, but the one that you're going to dance, I, I, the one you might sing along more is probably Adam's family. But at the same time, the Munsters, we just got up and it was like, I remember Saturday, either Saturday mornings and, you know, you just be dan- like dancing as the themes coming in. It's like, they're all, you know, coming down the stairs. I, I still see the theme show, theme um, playing in the opening and stuff. I would just, I just loved it. Like I, we, we were a big Munster fan. We had a, the Munsters lunch boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point. So, and I can't believe it was only on for two seasons. I think it had like seventy well, episodes. So it was the Adams Family. Yeah, I can't believe that they were that short because it felt like there was just more episodes than I than I think I remember. So looking at that was kind of a shock to me. But yeah, definitely I would go Munsters uh, as a kid. And 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 I was curious. Um, I don't know who has kid like did or like does anybody anybody show them to their kids or these episodes or anything like that you haven't done that yet we have we tried it out but they were kind of like it was like it was like guys check out this show check out this show so i mean i think they were getting inundated with it maybe this weekend we should sit down and let's watch an episode let's watch it you know and i always wonder if it's like you know you age out of that again too and like we saw it when we were younger so we grew and i had older brothers and we were all watching it so it just kind of became that type of thing back then um where is there a window for where they're going to really take up to the charm of that like you know i always almost feel like i don't know probably about nine to 
nine to 12, but I don't know. Kids are yeah. different now because once they see some stuff, they might be like, "Well, this is just cheesy and stupid." But if that's the first kind of TV shows you're watching, they yeah. kind of endear to it a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, the both both of those shows have have two things working against them. Yeah, you have the canned laugh track, yeah. and the black and white. Yep. So yeah. that that's two strikes against them. Before they've seen too many other things that they won't give that a chance, and that was kind of my point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now that Pat, if you've shown your kids the first few episodes of WandaVision, maybe they'll be okay with the black and white and the laugh track. And yeah, I know, I know, no. I know. Um, I looked it up really quickly. I, I think one of the reasons why, and I, sometimes I, I realize this with older TV shows in particular, that I think they just had longer seasons than what we're used to seeing because both, I looked it up real fast, um, the Munsters, only two seasons, but 70 episodes, you know, and when we're used to seeing, you know, the average, you know, longer running TV show is, is I'm thinking of like, um, you know, with something like The Flash that we watch on CW or something like that, that's usually like, what, 22, 24 episodes. So you're already looking at, you know, if it's 70, you're already looking at that feeling more like, you know, three seasons or four seasons, depending on what type of show you're used to watching. Um, and same thing with the Adams family. I think that one was 64 episodes over the course of two years. So I think a lot of those older TV shows just had longer seasons than what we tend to have now when you're looking at like 20 episodes in a, in a run of a TV show for a season. But yeah, it does seem like, and it must have, and part of it too must have just been how those were run in reruns, and just they were just on all the time. Just I remember that being on constantly as a kid. All right, question number three, our final question of the three questions: If you could have a house like the Adams, what kind of secret room would you like to have? And my wife's response to this one was, she didn't really necessarily care about the secret room, but she wants to have the shelf in a library where you pull the book and it opens up to a secret door. She didn't really care what, I don't think she cared what room was behind it, but as long as you could have something like that. Yeah, I, I think along the same lines, I'd like to have have the, uh, the library where, you know, pull the book down, disappear, nobody finds you. Yep. One of those DVDs back there. <laughs> Pull that and the wall opens up. Yeah. Maybe. Blue velvet. Yeah. <laughs> Pat will never find me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, th- I, I don't really know it would be in there. Just, I think, uh, just a cool, uh, cool little man cave type of thing. But yeah, having that secret door that you just open up and get away from everything. Yep. Safe, safe place. I think I'd have a little mini movie theater. Yeah, I would say little theater, a little yeah. workout equipment in there, a heavy bag, you know, fridge. Yep. I'd have an underground racetrack. I kind of figured you would. I'd have an under. I'd have like I'd have like a whole complex. You know what I'm saying? Just under, and you could take my bike down there and just you know, just go around. With, I think that'd with, be fun with Madame Tussauds wax figures of Monica Bellucci and Morticia Adams. And <laughs> there we go. I mean, I got, you know, got it all, man. I got the world on a string. There you go. Pat, I didn't realize you had such a thing for vampires. I, I, Hey, I didn't either. I took Dennis okay. to kind of open my eyes to it and now we're all good. Okay. All right. Well, I, I know what to get you for Halloween now. So that's good to know. Hey, Hey, you know, there it is. All Monica right. Blue, he has a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One one last one last thing yeah, uh, on top. 
uh, I would be remiss with my my uh, wife was as I was watching this last night. We were we were talking and um, she goes, "Oh, uh, my uh, my brother said that you should definitely bring up the uh, the pinball game." And uh, I, I was like, oh, yeah, that was great. I used to play it. And I just just looking it up before we started talking. It is the highest selling pinball game of all time to this day. Still, it was the Adams Family pinball game that came out around the time the movie did. The Adams Family pinball. I remember this. I'll play that. There's, yeah. a There's one, too. Yeah. I played the Munster one, too. I forgot where that was at, but... Uh... It was Haunted Trails, but somewhere they had the, the Monsters one as well. But yeah, the Adams Family one, and I didn't know that was the highest. Wow, that's cool. Do you remember that back in the day when you wanted to play a game, you had to know where to go? Oh, the Quick Trip has this one, but if mm-hmm. you want to play this, got to get on your bikes and ride across town because, like, you know, the hot dog restaurant, that has, you know, the Ross Adams Bay. Family you yeah, know, there, was, there was a Mr. Submarine and they had the pinball games there. Me and my brother yeah. would go there, order a couple sandwiches and just sit there and play pinball for like hour, you know, yeah. chat with the, but you'd wait for the ones to come. There'd be two. It wasn't like there was 20 of them. There'd be two and they would cycle through. And sometimes you'd come in and be like, Oh man, what'd you do with the other one? Yeah. Oh, like, well, we got this one for them. Like, oh, I want the other one back. You know? Yeah. You yeah. Just have to find out where it maybe rotated through and there'd be some yeah. other shop maybe in the area. Yeah. We had a uh, we had a nickel arcade up here, not too far away from where we live. And back in the day, when it used to be a much bigger space, now it's like half of what it used to be. Um, they used to have a bunch of pinball machines. I'm pretty sure they had the Adams Family, like the original, the 1992 Adams Family pinball machine. I just looked it up. If anybody's uh, interested in purchasing one refurbished, um, you would be set back about thirteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Although, I mean, they do have a payment plan. You can go as low as $419.39 a month. So, yeah. if, if if you didn't need a car. That's the original. <sighs> I know they redid, didn't they? I'm looking here and they did a re, they redid one for the movie, it looks like. Well, that was this one, I think. This was the, it was yeah. released in 1992. Yeah, it's the one for the movie. The one for the movie is the highest selling. That yeah. is the highest. The one for the movie is the highest. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's got like uh, is it Fester's head right at the bottom? Yeah, yeah, bottom yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I remember. I I was always and I I like going to my grandparents' house anyway. But I remember my grandparents when they had got a new house down in um oh they lived down in Texas and they had bought this new house and it was a much bigger house. There only two of them there, but had a bunch of grandkids, so they bought this big house so that all the grandkids could come over pretty much all the time. And my grandpa bought a, uh, an old flash Gordon pinball machine. And I just, I loved going over there. And I mean, I like being there anyway, just cause it was grandparents house. But the fact that you could go over and play pinball anytime you wanted, just absolutely loved it. Okay. Yeah. I do remember cool. the, the monster one. I remember the big Frank and like, you know, Herman, the big Herman uh, character that you had to go up through. Yeah. And I do remember Fester's head at the bottom of the other one. I remember kind of the, vaguely remember the um, Gomez and um, Morticia. Yeah. On the, on the, you know, the back. Yeah. Yeah. On a like poster, whatever you want to call it for the promotion. I'm looking at all these pictures and having flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. 
All right. Well, we're gonna let uh, we're gonna let Pat go have his flashbacks. That's gonna be it for this one for the Adams family. Uh, so thank you everybody for joining us once again uh, for another episode of the Thirty Something Movie Podcast. Um, you can find us at thirtypodcast.com. If you head over to our website, um, it's got all the different ways that you can find past episodes of the show uh, at Thirty Podcast. That's where we're at on a lot of the different uh, social media outlets. If you are wanting to leave us a voicemail, you can either do so through the voicemail link on our website 30podcast.com or we've still got the old voicemail line is up and running uh, the love line as Pat affectionately calls it it is 872-356-6843 if you want to call that one that's 872-35-MOVIE uh, if you want to give that line a call just kind of you know if you want leave a message about a movie we've got upcoming or if you want to leave a message about something we've already talked about go ahead and leave it there and we'll feature it on the show um, next up we've got for the month of March is our Girl Power Month. So our episodes coming up here in March are Necessary Roughness, My Girl, Thelma and Louise, Fried Green Tomatoes, and Soap Dish. Uh, our March Patreon episode for our Patreon executive, co-executive producers is our favorite songs of 1990 and 1991. Uh, Pat, I've already started my chart. I think I'm probably pretty good. It, it might take me a few more weeks to just narrow it down, but we'll get there. Uh, and then April is going to be our California Dreams Month. That'll be Doc Hollywood, The Hard Way, L.A. Story, and Career Opportunities. So that's what we got coming up over the course of the next couple of months or so. Um, once again, I just I want to thank you, Rob, for being here with us tonight. It was fun to get to know you a little bit more, have you here on the show. Um, is there uh, any websites, anything else you want to uh, advertise here at the end or, or any messages for everybody before we sign off? No, it was it was great to have you guys on here, and I appreciate it. And uh, I hope to talk to you guys sometime soon. Thank you. Yeah, no, sounds good. And, and as I actually said earlier, um, our uh, I think our October Patreon episode is going to be Evil Dead. Maybe we can get you back on for that one. Love to. Yeah. Love to. Yeah. All right. Well, from everybody here at the Thirty Something Movie Podcast, Pat, Dennis. Yep. Have a good night, guys. You rang. You rang. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it made from real Girl Scouts? Yeah. Um, uh. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, remember, go watch some good movies. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together ooky, the Adams family. The house is a museum, when people come to see them, they really are a scream, the Adams family.